Welcome back to the Ack Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, an on-call veterinarian in the middle of the night, Jay. Doing as always is my co-host, Monkeys with Injured Heads, Z. <laughs> Who do you today, Z? I'm Norrant. You get that one? Yeah, I got it. Picking that Because they, they were jumping on the bed. They were jumping on the bed. I don't know. Why does that have to be the night, though? Can't you jump on the bed during the day? I think they're in pajamas in the book that I read as a child. Okay. I understood. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I believe. You want a perk? What is it? <laughs> is it perk 30s? Oh, is this for your 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 rabies? It's your rabies vaccination? No, it's just it's just normal uh, antibiotics for the yeah for the horrible, horrible dog infection that I got from the from the savage dog from the me. dog that stabbed you. It's <laughs> his dog knife beset me. I was bes- I was waylaid by dog, dog bandits, <laughs> dog vagabonds, dog brigands, doggins, if you will. So is that a no? Then you don't want to partake? No, <laughs> no, and not not your perk thirties, forties. How many perks are they up to now? <laughs> it's too many perks. Oh, perch. Like when Colin's fishing? <laughs> perch 30. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Jack. We got a special topic to start <laughs> off We're with. starting off strong. The voodoo has come out. New voodoo of the year. Number five. Long time listeners will know. Big big do guys over here. Absolutely. A uh, couple, of, couple of do dudes we are. We cracked a do on the New Year's Eve podcast, more New Year's New Year podcast, and someone stopped listening, we were told. <laughs> by, we were told directly by them. Yeah, in person. So the for the uninitiated, every year on Halloween they do voodoo. Well, for five years running now, and it's a, it's a it's a mystery flavor, and it's like it's somehow it's usually yeah, well it's a Halloween candy is the idea because it's Halloween. Yeah, okay. Like taste it. Get a sip and a savor. Really, really swish around the mouth, air it out. What kind of nodes are we getting? Got to get that mouth feel of the. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, every time they do one of these every year. I, I, I don't find myself particularly adept at figuring it out. I never right? do. And it's very funny to go see what other people say because it's just everything as well. Because it'll be like, I think it's Swedish fish. I think it's cherry. I think it's blue. <laughs> I think, like, it's just, it, there's just no consistency. I think it's beets. And like anything on the internet, just, people are being mean to each other about it. Someone will be like, it's candy corn. And they're like, are you retarded? <laughs> it was candy corn last year. <laughs> I hate you. And you're just like, whoa, okay. Yeah, the first year, I remember... I really was like, I got this. It smells like Skittles. It tastes like Skittles. Gotta be Skittles. Candy corn. I was like, well, I'll never trust I literally anything. saw one where someone was like, it's Sour Patch Kids or something. And they were like, no, you idiot. It was Sour Patch Kids last year. It's candy corn, obviously. And someone was like, are you dumb? It was candy corn in 2019. <laughs> and I was like, great. Good stuff, everybody. We're doing every- everyone's having a great time. <laughs> we're all having so much fun. So... There seems to be... Apparently, the, the, the twist of this year is that they actually have partnered... Apparently, with an actual, with an actual candy company, because usually it's like generic, right? It's like the candy corn is obviously generic, or they would be like sour gummy candies, and you're yeah. like, okay, you're meant to understand it's sour patch kids. sour patch kids or whatever. But um, this time it's like apparently it actually specifically worked with and based on a, a actual like brand name. I can't wait until it's uh, Reese's peanut butter cup, a little bit of chocolate peanut butter in it my mondo. Atrocious. It's not like the it's not like the worst thing you could drink, but it's like, like when they did. The gingerbread the, one? Yeah, the la- was that last year? Yeah. The Christmas flavor was gingerbread because they're stupid? I never had it. Because you told me it was awful. I didn't yeah. want to try it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, you got to find for yourself, I guess. It's a no. journey we almost take for our own. No. You can take it for me. A lot of people think it's cherry. Just cherry? I guess I can see it. A lot of people, airheads. There's cherry airheads. My thing is, here's what I think. Is I feel like this is, because it's just sweet. You know, it's just, it's sugary, just sweet, sugary. Sweet Mountain Dew thing. And when you've removed, like, the texture and every other component of a thing, and you just distill it down to, like, chemically sugary 
fake fruit taste, and then you put it in like a soda, don't they all taste the same? Oh, yeah. Like, what makes a cherry airhead taste different than a cherry anything else? Because surely they all taste like the same fake version of cherry. They're adding the cherry flavoring. Because you don't get the texture of an airhead. Yeah. Can you imagine this little bits of airhead in there? Horrendous. So, what's your official guess then? I think it's uh, I think it's beets, like the vegetable, like a like a beet. What? A, like a you wanted beet. to do this? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't know. I think I. It just kind of. T- you said cherry. I mean, it's kinda, it just tastes like fruit, like a fruity taste. It's well, a, no shit. It tastes like fruit. But it's less flavorful than the other ones, so it feels like a more idiot. basic flavor. This was your idea. This I'll, segment. If you keep doing this, I'll cut you out. I'll cut you out. The whole <laughs> what are we doing? Segment. We're just having fun. Okay. It's supposed to be a fun segment where we have fun. Can we just have I fun? Think, I think there are some merit to Airhead, I guess. I, think it's I don't know. I thought Swedish Fish at first, but then I, the, on further inspection, I'm not certain of it. I think I think Swedish Fish or Airheads are probably the, the best ones because they have the most basic kind of flavor. Because they did Starburst already, right? I think they did Starburst. So that like eliminates it. Apparently also, oh, this was it. On their Facebook page, they said their new flavor is scary good, but they put it I and scary, like air, scary. So that might be. So it seems like, like scary, like air, scare, airhead. Mm. So okay, let's see. What did what did uh? So twenty two was sour candy flavor, which people took to be sour patch kids. Sour patch kids. Twenty one was fruit fruit candy chews, which people took to be starburst. Starburst. Twenty was fruit candy explosion. Whatever that. I don't even know what that's. (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't know. Fruit candy explosion. Just a bunch of them at once. Very odd. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know what fruit candy. Expl- I don't remember what fruit candy explosion was supposed to be. <laughs> and then the first one was candy corn. So there it is. And we'll report back if we remember on November first. Yeah. Or the episode around November first. Uh, so let's get into the real topic <laughs> to start with. Uh, Ahsoka episode five, Shadow Warrior. As if that wasn't a, the most real topic we've ever done, Jake. In the way that's it was, the realest I've ever been on this show. It was the most us topic. I was, bared my soul just now. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a perfect topic. We did something. You talked very in depth. You asked my opinion. I said a funny little joke, and you <laughs> lampooned me for it. You said, "You fool, you idiot." How oh, could you? That's a, that's a very good point, Jack. In a lot of ways, that was a that's distilled down to our most <laughs> basic. <laughs> a great distillation of us. Ah, good uh, good times. If, if Jeff was doing clips, it'd be a perfect time for the clips. But his whole computer crashed. So <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, shout out to you, Jeff, if you're listening. So, a Fallen Warrior, Shadow Warrior, excuse me, Part Five of Ahsoka. Great episode. Oh, the thing I'm gonna make for? I just can't remember how I was gonna work it in. <laughs> what? Add a whole thing. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> just a moment, if you will. How is it? How are we gonna get there? <laughs> you gonna lead me there to a trap? <laughs> Maybe this is in the future. <laughs> Would you have a dream about it? Fuck yeah, in the wolf dream. I think this is not for today. <laughs> Don't worry, though. Someday. I'll get there. Now, see, now that really distills it. <laughs> Going like, are we going to... Hold on. No, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. I had a whole thing, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's for, it's for when quite we yet. never cover One Piece? Cover One Piece on Christmas? <laughs> it's for one... It's for, is it for Gran Turismo? I think it's for Deadpool 3. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Oh, it's never coming out. I think that's what it's gonna be. So keep that in your back pocket <laughs> for the next what eight years. I mean, we could just do it. <laughs> it's not really related to anything. Oh, I just wanted to yell at you for um. Oh great. So what it was gonna be? <laughs> okay, so when we, when we get to Deadpool three, 
when Deadpool 3 comes out, we're going to have to watch Deadpool 1 and 2 again because you've never seen Deadpool 1. No, I have not. And you're true. a big hater for Deadpool 2 for some reason. I'm not a big fan of We're going to talk about the Celine Dion song. Well, I was going to bring it up. Okay. And the Celine Dion song, which is just like a really weird, good song that's just in the middle of the Deadpool movie. And they do like a James Bond esque intro. And then I was going to pivot that into, into getting upset with you. You're going to skip the James Bond. how you skip the James Bond. And I was thinking about it more and more. And it just makes less sense to me the more I think about why you would ever have done that. And it made me think about because I was like, Jack's over here skipping like good animated sequence and good music. And I was like, Joey and Jeff would be upset with you. <laughs> I they probably would be. And I was just like, I think we'd all be unified against you in this way. Because <laughs> they're good songs too. They're like often Oscar winning songs. They're made by like big artists. Adele did one of them? Adele did one. I Billie mean, if you go back, yeah, the Billie Eilish one's great. I mean, but if you go back farther, it's like, you know. Paul McCartney, Matana, Garbage, The Greats, really. Yeah. Like, surely you, you recognize that, like, Live and Let Die is just, like, a good song, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny Live and Let Die is, like, not, like, not a good song. But now we have... But you would just skip it if you're watching Live and Let Die. Yeah. And you don't see the... Well, I don't, well here's the thing. I've already heard Live and Let Die, the song. <laughs> I know that. I don't, that just made me be going, oh, the song I know. I can... That's, that's actually... I'd even more likely to skip it. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. That can't be true. We, we just had this off air. We literally just had the same conversation. For the same you mean to tell me you've never listened to a song more than once? No, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't feel like I'm missing What do you mean you wouldn't want? No, no, no. no, no what no, is no, it? No. no. But, I, but it, you know, this one's less because I think there's more to sound on a song I've never heard. Like, oh, this is a song you've never heard. But and you skip those this, just the same. No, no, that's fair. But I think I have a more like to stand on a song I've already heard. Cause it's like, well, I already know the song. I know it's a good song. I don't need to hear it again. I skipped the movie. Is that how you feel about all music? No. Then what are you even saying? No, no. If well, you've heard it before, you don't need to hear it again because you know it's good. I'm. Oh, hold on. That dep- I, I think this is not being portrayed. It's not the same things. The beginning of a James Bond intro is not me just listening to music on Spotify. <laughs> Those two things aren't quite what you're making them to be the same. But you're trying. No, that's what this is you're doing, though. Not entirely. <laughs> By saying it like that. I'm just saying it's fine to skip them because they don't matter to the movie. I'll say it. They don't <laughs> matter that much. They just show you things that are going to happen in the movie. Yeah, that I'm if about you skipped to watch. everything that didn't strictly matter to the movie, you might be skipping, like, I don't know, a good 60% of the runtime of most films. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't skip, like, actual parts of the movie, but, like. What are you even saying? That is part of the movie. No, but I'm, I'm saying that, like, no, but. Okay, there's a difference between, like, a scene in the film and the opening, like, credits that isn't, like, a part of the film. Like, when the credits are integrated with the opening of a film, obviously we wouldn't skip those because those are more important because there's things happening. But the opening animated sequence that shows you things, like, metaphors for things that will happen in the film, you just watch the film and you see the same things happen. Like in the Spectre one with all the tentacles in the thing. I get it, Spectre, I know. We're going to get there. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, but you needed, you needed to hear Sam Smith serenade you. I really didn't. See Fat Mac Miller? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good on Fat Mac Miller, thanks. That was what it was. That was the bit that I was going to do then. Well, we've just done it now. <laughs> we've done it now. I hate you. <laughs> the hell? I can't do anything in this world. All right. So the actual, actual topic. You're ready? Jesus Christ. We're ready, 13 Jack? minutes in. No, we're not. Okay. We're cutting half of that. That's true. They'll never know. <laughs> cut, that, cut you just saying that now. Cut me saying this. Ahsoka <laughs> episode five. Shadow episode Warrior. five. Shadow Warrior. Much longer. Very long episode. Oh, a good bit longer. Longest so far, maybe? No, it's not. Oh. First one was hella long. Oh, that's true, it was. I fall for clickbait sometimes, Jack. I try not to, but I do sometimes. That's, that's why it's there. Try yeah, not so to it gets, cause it'll, but I don't fall for like this person said they were like what like Oh my god, Joe Biden's seen in sex cult? The clickbait kind of articles I do are just like the very straightforward. It'll just be like 
here's the length time, the runtime of Ahsoka, episode five. Yeah. And I know I shouldn't click on them because I know it's going to be a nonsense article that's like way longer than it needs to be and is filled with a bunch of filler and you know search engine optimization. But I still clicked on it and they were because it was like, can you believe how long it is? But then I was like, they're like, it's the third longest episode. Can you even believe that? And I was like, yeah, actually, somehow can totally wrap my head around that. <laughs> Maybe it's the second longest, but still, it like wasn't even the longest episode, and yeah. they still somehow managed to write an article like, "Can you believe how long?" I yeah. can't even believe it. I believe that it's an episode shorter than a previous episode of the same <laughs> show. <laughs> pretty, pretty feasible, I'd say. But anyways, here it is, Shadow Warrior. So, you know, we pick up right where we left off last week. Soka fell into the water, and they're like, "Where does Soka go? Where'd she go?" And we're on the planet, and they're scanning for her, and everyone's like, well, we can't find Ahsoka. And Hu Yang's like, oh my god, they're gone. I'm so sad. I'm very sad about it. I'm a very sad boy. I'm sad David Tennant. Can you believe it? I'm holding your helmet. And uh, Jason's there, because again, she brought him to a very, like a war zone, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, hey, can we go explore these ruins? And she's like, I guess. I guess, kid, go nuts. Take take Chopper with you, I guess, or something. And everyone's all like, we can't find him. This is, this is rough. And, uh... We go to the. I mean, basically, I feel like we ought to just do it linearly. Yeah. Just did the Jason. Basically, Jason's the one who finds them because he like feels her. That's all that happens in that plot. If yeah. we're being honest, right? I thought it was. I thought it was funny when um. Oh, what's his face? Carson Teva. Carson Teva. Carson Teva is like, how did he know? And he's like, oh, his father was a Jedi. And he's like, yeah, all right, stupid fucking Jedi bullshit. <laughs> Which is funny to me to think of because like. Being a non-Jedi in the Star Wars universe, knowing Jedi, must be the most frustrating thing in the world, because they're full of just so much crap. <laughs> they're always well, doing something. Well, he's like something. the kind of guy, too, who, like, why would he have any reason to even believe in them? Yeah, he wouldn't. You know, it's been so long. It's been a good 20 years. Actually, coming up on 30 years since, like, they were a factor in the in the universe. Mm-hmm. And even then, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but, like, the scale involved with the Jedi, it's like, there wasn't that many of them to begin with. So, yeah, for, for this droid to just be like, his dad was a Jedi, you'd be like, yeah, we... Are you kidding? We're still doing this. This is and we're gonna and we're gonna like sit here and listen to this kid. <laughs> At that point, if that was real life, you'd just be like, ah, so we're all just like feeding into this child's delusions, are we? Yeah, what's what's going on? Crazy. What his mother this? has his mother's unfit to rule. Can't raise his own son. Be like if you're, you know, this is like a like a I don't know some weird occult Earth religion. We're like the child can speak to. <laughs> <laughs> He's speaking in tongues. He's speaking to God, and you'd be like, oh, so we're. We're gonna. We're just gonna indulge this child. Already? This kid's the reincarnation of Buddha because oh. the other guy found him. We think, and we think this little boy doesn't just want attention, do we? We've, oh, okay. oh, he's actually Siddharth Gautama come back to life. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> you kind of like that. So you're just a. You're just like, literally just a pilot. Yeah, just trying to fight uh, the good us fight. career soldiers trying to do your job, and your commanding officers like we have to listen to my son, my half breed son. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call him a half breed. That's what he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, most of the that's good. We got a Canaan reference. I mean, it's the first time he's been explicitly named, named right? Yeah. That's cool. It's fine. I like that. I did like it. It was cool. Here's the lightsabers. Be surprised if I've, part of me feels like they're gearing up to, so I could be like, you know what, Sabine, you get out of here. I'm gonna turn this actual Jedi kid to be a Jedi. I still hold not for Ezra. Oh, yeah. Train him. Yeah, probably it. And we made a joke about that, how he actually knew his dad. Yeah. And we hold it over him as his teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I actually knew your dad. Actually, uh, actually dad. I had a relationship with your father. Much like you would have if he was alive, but he's not. <laughs> he died saving me and, you, and your mom. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> I'm still here. I, I knew these whales. There was a wolf that said his name to me in like a dreamscape. It was wild. Crazy shit. <laughs> you know wolves could talk? I didn't know that. But crazy shit I've ever seen. 
<laughs> before that point. Before, I didn't even know the wolves could talk. But, I mean, that's literally, again, that's kind of all it is, is we cut back to that. Yeah, they scan the planet. The ship looks the... good. Show off the, the ship, ship yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So the ghost is cool looking. They do some water stuff. Yeah, not much happens. The main meat and potatoes of it <laughs> is obviously. Again, other than, like, Hera's like, <laughs> we got we to gotta lean into him knowing the force. Mm-hmm. We got to trust his forceness to find her. And they do. So that works. But, the, yeah, the meat and potatoes, I mean, come on. That's what you want to see. The world between worlds stuff, right? Yeah. So we're here. We're following up on last week. Ahsoka's here, and it's Anakin, and she's like, what's up? And he's like, what's up? He's less smooth. It's me. He's less smooth. He looks way better in this episode. I don't know what was going on in that one, but yeah, it looks much, much better. Um, So she got old, doing some fun back and forth. Doing a little back and forth. And they're basically, she's like, I got something to teach you here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is interesting. She goes, I lost a fight, and he's like, you don't remember. And she's he he tells her he's like you lost a fight and she's like I don't know he's like I don't know he's like, yeah you, you you lost a fight it was Balin I knew that guy never talked to him though kind of a kind of a bitch didn't like him we had a fight he's like and she's like what am I doing here why are we in the world between worlds um, which we don't really get an explicit answer for but I yeah it's kind of how I prefer it and you know there's a lot of people who get way too hung up on like the details of force stuff sometimes you know like why can Luke force project now <laughs> but. That force is doing too much stuff. I mean, I've said before, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, the force stuff, the more occult, like, weird, like, spirit journeys, and, like, you, you just see things sometimes, man, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know? Like when the, uh, is it first brother, or the current inquisitor shows up in the temple and stops those other inquisitors randomly. Yeah. That stuff, just yeah, like. I love it. I love, like, a dark side cave. I love, the, yeah, those episodes in Rebels, when he's all like, Kane, you get to be a Jedi Knight now. I want to fight these people somehow. All right, so My real or not? Who, don't who worry knows? about it. I'm, I'm, it's me. It's Darth Bane's ghost. What's up, Yoda? Yeah, I'm Darth Bane's ghost. I love the one in... Um, have you got to it yet in Fallen Order? There's a, there's a, like a Force Vision quest thing. There's one in both games, actually, and they're, they're, they're very good each time. I just love that stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really worried about it. Just too many people are alive. But what exactly does this mean? How did you get there? It's, force, it's, a power, it's clearly a powerful Force planet. It's really yeah. very important, so... Something like that, right? Yeah, but he, yeah, he tells her that um he's got to finish her training, and she's like, "Well, am I maybe dead? What do we do with that?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're too old to learn," which is good. I think it's a very Jedi thing. Oh yeah, and it maybe shows how she's she's losing it a little, strain a little too far by being like, "Well, I don't think I need to learn." I always learn. I just teach you old dog new tricks. So she a Jedi thing like that um story I like talking about so much from from a certain point of view, the one with Obi Wan and Qui Gon's Force Ghost. Mm-hmm. In that, um, it said that like Obi Wan had started calling Qui Gon his master again, and Qui Gon had called him Padawan because even though you know Obi Wan was grown and had trained a knight of his own and everything, there was still so much he had to learn that they were like, "Hey, we'll kind of start it over yeah, again." Do the back to the old ways. I like that, you know. Yeah. Also, how like I enjoy in in fantasy stuff when like old people can learn the magic. Not quite. That's not exactly what this is, but still, it's kind of fun. Um, and he basically opens up on her, right? He starts with like just wailing on her with the lightsaber, and he's like, "All right, figure it out, live or die, pick it, make a choice." She won't choose. Um, so yeah, starts it off. The lightsaber fighting again, generally pretty solid. Yeah, I really liked it. Been a big fan of it so far, and I think this continues to just be decent, good looking stuff. You know, others him getting annoyed. The child, he fighting, and then he cuts the bridge. Things are plummeting down to the void, seemingly. What does she say? She's got some quippy line here. Okay, it looks like maybe she's gunning the upper hand, and he's like, "You don't maybe you don't have much left to offer." And he cuts the bridge, and she falls. And where does she fall, Jack? Back to the clone into Wars. the past. And here it is. We've been calling it for months. I, we, this is exactly kind of what I 
thought maybe would happen in Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you remember. I'm like, Clone Wars flashbacks in Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe? Maybe. But they're here. Here they are. What do you think of this, Jay? What I, do you think of this whole situation? Big fan. Me too. Liked it a lot. Like how it was all kind of hazy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they're doing this to uh, perhaps mask a bit of the, you know, production realities at play here, right? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, they probably have relatively, or, or somewhat limited, that is, on, you know, people what exactly they pulled off here, right? Mm-hmm. But I think for the purposes of this, which is not to show a big spectacle of a battle just because, but it's, you know, this is a more character-driven thing here. I think it works, and yeah, I think it looks freaking cool, man. Oh, yeah. It's good. Good to see where they're all the green lightsabers again. Yeah. So, we start with a battle in the very beginning of the Clone Wars, they say, which may literally be... Their fir- it's just their first mission. Yeah, which would be Teth, I guess, um, which is in the movie. Yeah, I remember, start with the Clone Wars movie. I remember well. Yeah, it's the one where they go up the side of the mountain with the walkers and stuff, which is pretty cool. <gasps> if so, um, she's got... Well, first of all, she's um, she's portrayed by the actress from Barbie. Is she really? Yeah, this is this is uh, the daughter in Barbie. Huh. You didn't know? Well, I can't really recognize her with her face painted orange and tails. <laughs> I feel like I recognized her right away. I don't know how I did that. I did not. Maybe I saw someone else. No, I couldn't have because I was actually, I literally watched this like when it came out at nine because I didn't want to. Get spoiled. Possibly risk it. So I don't know what, maybe, or maybe I saw after the fact and I've just Melted backfilled mind. it in now. Yeah. But yeah. let me get her name. Huh. We talked about her when we saw Barbie. She's one of those ones who's making all the rounds. It's a, from from where I can tell here, right? There's about there's like two girls who get all the roles in Hollywood. Isn't that blonde one? No. Well, I guess her. The one who's you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah, I do know which one you're talking about. I was thinking about the one who's in uh, 65. Oh, and, yeah, she's and in Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons and uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, and <laughs> I don't know, probably 15 other movies that that necessitate a young female young girl. character. Um, her name's Sasha in uh, she plays Sasha. Barbie. Her name is Ariana Greenblatt. Um, huh. That's cool. I think she does a good job. I think so, too. But anyway, so she's got, like, a new costume. This is kind of like a an amalgamation of, like, a couple things. Because you remember they redesigned it a while back to not be the tube top? Because it's like, why? <laughs> why, is a, why is a child wearing a tube top? Um, and so this kind of seems to be a, I don't know, like a mix of the one that they did for Tales of the Jedi last year and maybe just the season four outfit, which is, I mean, we're getting into the minutiae of it, but... Mm-hmm. What else do we do here? Huh? It would be nothing if not our Star Wars minutia. Um, but Anakin's wearing the like the Clone Wars. He's wearing the classic Anakin outfit. This got the hair too. Sick, right? I think it looked great. The hair, it's like it looked right. Great. Oh yeah. And again, the de aging is on point here. Um, perhaps a bit too much in the sense that it's now <laughs> emboldened people to request an entire TV show like this, which we'll get to. But that's good old Star Wars theory, but worst ah, thing yes. ever. Um, but yeah, I'm, again, I mean, I understand that this isn't like, there's not a lot to this, uh, but I still feel like this is impressive. I like the clone fun. trooper. I, I just, I just, I, thought I think really they good. look good. There's been a lot of like discourse about whether this looks bad or not. And you know, yeah, I've seen like people be like, this is a clone trooper that was real. And this is the one that are CGI. You can tell based oh, okay. on this. That's what I've And heard. people have like criticisms of some of those specific minutia on like the clone trooper armor and the details and stuff. Um, and then even beyond that, there's a lot of people who just think it looks kind of cheap. And again, I, I. Yeah, like, I can see that. It is, like, I'm sure they're on the volume or whatever. There's just sand on the ground, and then they're just, like, smoky to, yeah. to kind of hide the, the edges or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't, again, for the purposes of this, it's not about doing a big battle. It's about the kind of emotional impact of this. And I think something that this does really well, something that this conveys, 
more so than the show ever was able to, is how young Ahsoka is, right? Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, cartoon characters are cartoon characters, ultimately. You can, you can draw them any age you want. Yeah, even though she's, like, a 14-year-old cartoon character, she's also, like, a weird, you know... She's voiced by an adult woman. And she's false, she's voiced by an adult <coughs> woman, and she's, like, a weird, you know... Car- like, yeah, she's a yeah. cartoon alien. Stylized so, person. Yeah, so it, those kind of work against against that in that way. But this is a real-life human person. child. Even And the thing is, she's 16, right? Like, I've seen a lot of people like, oh, I thought she was even younger. She looks younger than 16 or whatever, which... I feel like some of that is the thing of Hollywood, Hollywood, where the people who don't like interact as much with like teenagers and stuff, and even maybe people who do, but something about I think watching stuff that just like flips a switch in our brain, and we expect everyone on in in TV to like look older than they are, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you can't be like, oh, she looks young for a sixteen-year-old. I mean, I don't know. She is sixteen, so she yeah. looks like a sixteen. She's sixteen, man. Don't don't. Hey, if you keep harping on that much, you're gonna start asking. As other questions got to start getting asked about you. It's just one of those things where I never really got that. It's like, oh, well, she doesn't look like she's 16. I don't, it's like that thing that bothers me when people are like, the t- try to tell what, what name you should have. I hate them. Oh, something the was stupid. Isn't that stupid? Isn't that the stupidest shit? It's like, you look like a Jack. You don't look like a Jack. Well, I am. So I look, I do look like a Jack. I'm my name. Right? Isn't that exactly like. I hate that shit. Because well, I feel like me. everyone who's ever done that just goes off of like the one person they know. Yeah. They're like, well, I used to know a, uh, a Steve who was a big, tall, war. strong guy. And your name is Steve, but you're kind of skinny. So I don't think you look like a Steve because I knew Because <laughs> my own experiences of the whole world. <clears throat> so I feel like people, listen, and, and I'm not even, I, I can be guilty of this too, but you also do it with like those names that are kind of gender neutral, you know, like Taylor. Oh, yeah. Aaron. Aaron. Sure. Kyle. Where it's like, I feel like you associate it with whichever one. You know the most. You know the Or most. Logan. Logan. See, yeah, I've seen Logan. Logan? Yeah. Oh. And Logan. Yeah, see, I would never. Which, which like... throws me off because the only Logan, only Logans I've known, been guys. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. See, so you see how that works. I'm cut, but we know our own perspective. It's kind of like that. All I'm saying is, though, that's all to say that I think this, this actress really looks fine. She's she's the age she should be, right? Yeah. Especially because she's. So we're gonna skip ahead. We're gonna skip ahead years. So like to portray a like a, I, I think she's, she's supposed to be like 14 or 15 at the beginning, mm. and then also a 17 year old Ahsoka. Also, she was probably more like 15 when they filmed when they filmed it. So I think it all works. All I'm saying is I think that's intentional. Maybe they even went with like a younger looking. Although again, I don't think that's really how that works. No. I think most 16 year olds actually look pretty young. If we're all being because they're only 16. Yeah, that's that's again in real life teenagers don't look like they do. And again, it's just so so skewed because everyone's used to seeing 30 year olds. Everyone's like euphoria. Teenagers. That's yeah, like Maddie's 32 or exactly. whatever. So. The point is, I feel like this really conveys something that the show never got into as much. I mean, there's 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 hints of it, and, and they do cover it in different episodes and stuff. But seeing it in live action, that was actually like I don't know. I feel like this was that that alone kind of made this like worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know I'm a big proponent of animation and the Star Wars stuff, and I'm like, do we need? To, I mean, I've said that before about this very show, right? Do we need from the beginning? Did it ever need to be? Live action. Live action. Could this have just been an, an animated sequel to the animated shows? But then this, I feel like, is really like a good example of why that's good. Because having real actors really be in there and doing the, you know, the battles, freaking, are... yeah, whatever. You're saving Private Ryan moment here where it's all mm-hmm. smoking and scary. I think it really conveyed something. Oh yeah. That the the animation never quite got across because it was different in tone. And again, they are cartoon characters, and you're just like, oh look, they're having a good time. They're having a good time. She's having fun at war. <laughs> but this is like, oh, this, I don't know, this more than anything I think I've ever, well, actually, maybe not anything, but more than some different Star Wars stuff really drives some of the idea that 
they were child soldiers. Yeah. Right? Like, Kanan, I think, in The Bad Batch, because he's even younger, I think. And um, I don't know if you've got to it yet, but Cal in Fallen Order, when he has his flashback sequences, he's like... He's very young. He's, he's like, like 11 or something. He's, he's such a tiny child. I've got those some those drive it home pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. But this, I was like, oh. So that's like clearly part of her thing. And, and Balin called her out for this last week, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, clearly it actually resonates with her more than I would have guessed. That this is this is uh, something that she like, worries about, right? It's this idea that her legacy is Just having war. fought in a war. And then she had to fight in a different war kind of thing. Immediately after fighting the first one. And now that's it. Also, kind of makes a lot of sense then why she is so worried in this show about trying to prevent a war, right? Mm-hmm. Like she wants above all else to stop that from ever happening again, or at least you know, in her lifetime from having to fight another one. So I think I don't know. I thought that was really interesting, and it made a lot of sense. It brought this whole thing full circles, like because she's been so adamant about that, right? And last week when she was like, "We'll destroy the map if we have to to stop them from getting thrown." That's how important it was to her, yeah. kind of thing. Like we'll leave Ezra there forever, and I think this. You know, just shows why that is. Yeah, she's and I think it's a good line um, where we sister said he's like, "Well, Obi Wan taught me there's a different time. Now I have to teach you to be different." Like that's kind of all. It's kind of how it is. Like it's this sucks, but kind of situation we have to deal with. I think it's one of those things that like it really does kind of show the downfall of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. That like it, there is these people who are just you know, and Anakin obviously is unconventional in his own ways and. He obviously is not the best example of a <laughs> well-adjusted Jedi, but no. it shows w- where they were going wrong, right? That you had Jedi Masters being like, listen, it's not ideal, but I just gotta, it's just, it is what it is. I gotta teach you how to be a soldier. Like, that's such a crazy thing to say to a Jedi Padawan, right? That, yeah. Surely that's not something they should ever really have to you learn. You have to lead men into battle. Yeah, and oh, that's the other thing. She's leading men. <laughs> not yeah. only is she there, but she's a leader. She's like a commander. She's a she's a, like a yeah, by decent ranking officer. By just being a Jedi, she. I mean, Anakin's a general. They're all they all are generals, yeah. pretty much. Again, seeing how like young she is and being like, oh my god, she had to. She's leading men, and she says that in this thing, right? She's like, you know, people like died because of the choices she made. And you know, the the interesting thing too is like you even had the additional layer that the clone troopers are also kind of <laughs> child soldiers. It's just like man. Yeah. Children leading children to their death. And then she asks here, and it's it's interesting because it's hard to tell what of this stuff is like actually what happened then mm-hmm. and what is them not, you know what I mean? Them actually, them talking in the... Yeah. I think this, I think every time they talk, it's just them... I kind of think so. Too. ...talking in this. And yeah, like, I think so. And so like, all right, here's the event. What do you think of the event that just happened you were living? Uh, but she says... He's like, I gotta teach you how to be a soldier. And she's like, is that all All I'll ever have to teach my Padawan? Um, we get Rex. You see Phase 1 Rex here? Oh, yeah. He talks a little bit. Timmy Morrison talks a little bit as Rex. Looks pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. Again, people have very specific thoughts about some of Rex's details, but overall, I thought he was cool. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get him a little bit later. But, um, yeah. And then uh, right off that? into battle. Oh, this is, yeah, this is a pretty hardcore line. When he makes, it, when he makes that joke and she gets all mad at him. It's when she says, what oh. if I want to stop fighting? And then he says, then you'll die. <laughs> he's like, that's grim. Oh, is this the one where he flashes? His yeah, so as he's like running off into battle, he flashes to being Darth Vader for a second, which is a re- sort of a recurring thing here. Yeah. Uh, uh, we do then the next time we jump, yeah, all the Jason stuff. But when we get back to the World Between Worlds, we are now at the Siege of Mandalore. We've jumped yeah. ahead a couple years. Um, and we've got a new look again. At first, I, I was confused. I was like, "Blue, what the hell?" And then I saw Kill Mandalore. I'm like, "Oh, we're on season seven. There we go. That's why." Season seven, and again, I mean, we got all the clone troopers, but now they're um, 
you know, they got the the orange helmets and stuff. Sweet. She stabs right through that uh, Mandalorian. Yeah, the Mandalorians look great in this, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, we see, like, one of the female Mandalorian <laughs> uh, super commandos get, get got. One of the guys with the, the horns. Very cool looking. That w- that one looks just like uh, Rook Cast. Maybe Ahsoka just killed Rook Cast. Maybe. Hard to say. By this, I mean, she, at least she thinks she did. Yeah, she's, she's, going, she's going sicko mode on him. Yeah. I like when Anakin shows up, he's like, I don't know this battle. Where was in here? Did I miss out on this? This was sick. And I feel like that's notable um, because this is really like driving home that he wasn't there because the big things that she seems to have to work through in this episode, right? And we'll, mm. we'll get to this in a minute because I do have some thoughts on that. But it's that she clearly is worried about her, this legacy of war, right? Mm. And she's she's worried about Anakin and, and like her relationship to him. And how him falling to the dark side relates to her. and her she, he taught her and all that. Yeah. And like, was it her fault or not? And mm-hmm. yeah, will that affect her going forward or whatever? Um, and you know, a big part of this is that you know, because she was here doing this, she wasn't there helping him. with him when he fell to the dark side, right? Because this happened, you know, concurrently. concurrently. I think that's interesting. Darth Maul tells, him, tells her all about Star Wars. It's like, Ahsoka, we have to stop Star Wars from happening. Darth Maul tells her the plot of Star Wars. And he's like, <laughs> it's about to like, happen. Right She's now. like, I don't. Doesn't sound right. No, he's like, that's oh, okay. I've read the scripts. Please, I've seen You've Dave Filoni. There's <laughs> that thing, and he just sees the author. Um, I like this. I like. It. She just kind of stands there. At some point, she's like, I'm gonna fight this battle. It's all. Ha- it's all happened. Mm-hmm. Waiting for him to show up. But this uh, brings up a, the thing here. So I guess there is. There's still a bit of, of debate. I guess of, of whether or not this is actually like Anakin or not. What do you think? What What did you reach? Oh, I thought this was definitely Anakin. Yeah, I like Force Ghost Anakin, like who's after who's trying to turn the Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, me too. I just, he just he can do all this stuff because he's a he can manipulate the ghost end because he's outside of the physical world. Yeah, exactly. Same person. Most people are like, well, he's not translucent and blue, so obviously not. And he can touch her. And I'm like, they're in a they're in her memory. They're in a fo- foggy memory of her mind. Who can like Obi Wan? Obi Wan sits on that log in Return of the Jedi. What does that mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, that was just for it to be easier for the actor. And I'm like, so when are we? So, so sometimes we just make excuses, cause, and sometimes we don't. What are we? Excuses for things we like. Silly, silly. Um, let me see here. My friend was talking to me about a theory. You mm-hmm. might have heard this theory that he's uh, Anakin is the final Mortis god. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. The Mortis stuff is very weird and tricky. I'm not. I was I'm not. I'm not exactly certain what is meant by that. Being the final Mortis god. Uh, Are you familiar at all with the Mortis thing? I'm, I just, uh, very vaguely. I know it's the father, the son, and the daughter thing. Yeah, and the daughter, the father, son, and the daughter, and, and the daughter's the light, and the son's the dark, and I guess the dad's the balance or whatever. It's weird. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, but all three of them are weaker than Darth Vader based on that tier list. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's weird because it does kind of seem to convey that the dark and the light should be evenly represented. So I feel like it's one of those things that leads to the great misconceptions. Jedi yeah, the great Jedi kind of thing. But it's significant because the the prophecy or whatever, like there's this idea that is presented in the Clone Wars that the prophecy was about that in particular. Because mm-hmm. they go to Mortis and the father's like, I'm getting old and dying. Anakin, you have to take my place here. And it's kind of said like, oh, maybe this was the prophecy all along. It had nothing to do with the Jedi and the Sith. It had to do with this like primordial, you know. Understanding of the Force. Yeah. And then the son kills the father and then Anakin kills the son. And then the daughter, yeah, Ahsoka's killed. And the daughter gives her life force to Ahsoka's literally brought back from the dead in the corners that happens. Oh. And so the Ahsoka has the, the daughter's the like Wars. life force in her. Oh. She's got like the life force of this primordial force being. 
No, yeah. she's yeah. I actually not you the strongest. No, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Must have been in the seasons I didn't. That's why there's that owl that follows her around. Is that what the owl? Oh, the, right, because that owl's the daughter oh. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. This shit's so fucking confusing. Yeah, it's a bit much. I never really got the Mortis thing, uh, personally. And then in, in Legends, they added that the the mother was like this this evil force entity that escaped and was like she's like, like a horrible like Cthulhu evil. monster. Yeah, she's like horrible. Yeah. But she's not as powerful as Darth Vader. Not according to that tier list. No, no. no. That tier, I love that tier list. I was thinking about that tier list the other day. <laughs> how it's funny, very funny. How funny it was. God, are we on that? Oh, whether he's actually he's accurate the, or not. Yeah. My thing is, this is one of the least satisfying possible. I don't know. It's, I guess it's tough. But basically, the other kind of side of it, if if they don't believe that he's actually Anakin Force Ghost, it's just that it's all in Ahsoka's head. I don't like that. No, it, it doesn't sound, feel very satisfying to me. No, and especially, it doesn't make any sense for Star Wars. Because they're like, but it's they do yeah. spirits all the time. In a universe where spirits are definitively real, yeah. could just be like, this time though, just make And up. they can talk to you and teach you things. I don't know why this would be the first time where we were like, we'll break again. It's one of those things where I just think they're overthinking it a bit. Yeah, it's very clearly just like you said. This is a re- yes. Since like literally the second movie, it's been established that the ghosts can appear to you, teach you things, have pretty extended chats, give you powers. Why on earth would this be the time where it's like, well, this one though, probably something weird, probably oh. something completely new. And yeah, different they can. They can t- we know it's can. They can teach you a force technique in ten seconds before you die. Yeah, Obi Wan's like Anakin. Here's how be a Force Ghost really quick. Oh yeah, we got all kind of new deets about that in uh, Fact Pavrajay from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a cool. I like Fact, fact Pavrajay. That's a fun thing. From a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. Because Anakin good. has a chapter where Obi Wan's like, "Hey, Anakin, you were pretty shit for the end there, but you were right. a good friend. <laughs> you were a good and a good friend. I'm gonna, I forgive you. Let me, let me teach you how to do this <laughs> real quick. He's kind of. Um, I think it's the one where she gets kind of smart with him about. He's like, you can have all my knowledge I possess. You're, you're everything I am, everything that's been passed through me. Um, which I was like thinking about. I think I this whole show kind of about how there's a fun little direct line from Yoda to Sabine through Jedi training, which I think is fun. Yeah. Jedi legacies are, all, are the your lineages, whatever yeah. you want to call them, are always interesting. Um, like that to me. Like if you look at Ezra's, the fact that Ezra's goes back to like Mace Windu, because you just think I was like, Ezra would not do well with Mace Windu, I don't think. He would crumble. Mace Windu would destroy that boy. But Mace Windu trained Depa Balava, who trained Kanan, who trained Ezra. And it's like, that's fun. Who trains Jason, so Jason is. Yeah, maybe Jason too. Um, and yeah, obviously Yoda goes to Dooku, Dooku to Qui-Gon, to Obi-Wan. And it's cool because it's like, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. This idea that like Padawans often seem to contradict their masters. And masters are hypocrites usually because yeah. they always forget what they were like. And they do the whole like, ah, you're too damn kids. These damn kids. I used to, I used to, my master used to make me walk to the temple uphill both ways. <laughs> In the snow. And now look at you, taking your speeders everywhere. <laughs> my, my master's been me memorize the Jedi text. You just read them out of books. But yeah, Ahsoka, again, is preoccupied with this idea that like, yeah, but I just fought in a war. Like, I'm supposed to be the sum of all this Jedi knowledge, and what did I use it for? But like, Murdering. I did kill all these people. I did go yeah. to Mandalore and do a big war. Then I, then I went around and killing Inquisitors and all this. And she's right, right? Like, that's, again, that's part of, like, the main idea of the prequels and the Clone Wars series is to really drive home that the Jedi were misled. They were wrong. And, again, not in the way that, like, the Jedi were evil, too. <laughs> They're actually evil. From Well, from our view, the Jedi are evil. Which is a, is a thing that, yeah, I've, criti- I've been critical of people in the past being like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the Jedi are kind of the villains, too. Well, they're not. They're the vil- victims. Who told you so. that? Anakin, the villain. <laughs> and when he turned evil, the look at the Palpatine made some good points. All right, the Empire was right, actually. Um. So yeah. So she's, ca- de- she's dealing with this. Yeah. 
So you basically call Anakin just dangerous and powerful. And cause, I mean, he is. He's very dangerous, especially at this point. Mm-hmm. And again, she's still like obviously reckoning with the idea that he fell to the dark side, right? I like how he says, "Is that what this is about?" Yeah, man. <laughs> well, I mean. To, don't act like, don't act like, come on, I apologize. I feel like it's very Anakin, though. Don't you think? It is, it's very That Anakin. he's like, you gonna bring this up again? <laughs> and then he gets, he he gets so bothered by it that he does, like, kind of loses his cool for a moment. He's like, fuck it, I'm, I'm evil now. But it's also, I don't think it's quite clear. I, I'm i more inclined to think that he's doing this to test her kind of thing. Oh, he's yeah, more giving sure. her what she needs. I don't think he actually fell to the dark. Like, I've seen a bunch of people get, get wax poetic about how this reveals that Anakin is... The balance, and he's the dark and the light, and the and I'm like, I don't think that's really what this is. No, I'd I, like to think Anakin. I I think he again changes appearance at will. I think he's just that. doing it to test her because yeah. I don't think that that's not how the Force works. I don't think I don't think you get to be one with the Force and still be like, but I kind of like the dark side a little I bit. Like Satan, just sometimes. It's like, no, he can't go to heaven and be like, but how's that Satan fellow doing down there? Yeah, can he's one with the, he's one with the Force now. It's like a whole thing. Again, we've talked about it, but the dark side isn't part of it. It's like exist outside of it it's a corruption it's a whole thing yeah i think he's just doing this to to test to her, get it basically. yeah he lacks she lacks convictions to give her something so they fight a bit yeah they're just doing a bit of fighting what's let's see this bit here this is i don't this looked kind of awkward i didn't i feel like it i didn't love it like the little weird little hand thing they do it's really close and it felt kind of awkward this? Yeah, I like this part. This part is cool. Okay, so her ob- eyes obviously turned yellow. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of posts I've seen <laughs> this week being like, oh my gosh, did you see this? Do you think it's yellow or is it just a reflection? Are you a moron. It's clearly yellow. <laughs> her eyes clearly visibly change colors. It's not but, a red. Re- you can see the red of the lightsaber in her eye. I know. It's just so funny to me how many people have actually like paused it, got this screen cap, and then posted being like, what do we think, everybody? There's people are colorblind. People on. I don't want to be a negative Nancy, you know? But come on. Um. Okay. So then, ultimately, this is what she says. She she wins their little fight, and she's like, "I'm not going to be evil either." And actually, you're not either. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm cool. Sorry. I blink. I'm not me when I'm hungry. Took my context out. I'm all right now." And we have this moment, and she's like, "I want to live." And he's like, "Ah, good. You learned a lesson." Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jay. I like this episode quite a bit. Uh, and I've indeed been a little bit less critical of it than some people, because a lot of people are like, "Oh, this ultimately was was all pointless," and people are like. This was just fan service. You know, fan service. It's yeah. some new glup shit, though. Did I say this last week? No. All right, so that's the thing I want to say. <laughs> fan service, I feel like, is another term that's just getting overblown to be like, anything that ever happens is fan service. Or people are like, oh, Captain Rex being in it was fan service. Or, what you I was going to say, it's kind of like um filler episode. Yeah, yeah. I feel like those are probably closer than the glup shit thing. Because fans like you said last week, anytime the internet gets a hold of anything. Ruin it. It becomes so diluted and warped, it, beca- it loses every meaning. You just run with it, right? Yeah. So, I, well, cause, correct me if I'm wrong, but d- doesn't didn't fan service start as like a term from like anime, where it meant like the episode where all the girls are in their bikinis? That's not really as, this at all, as far as I understand it. Now it's just kind of vaguely things that anything that might happen in a thing that f- fans, fans of it might lie. enjoy. Like, isn't ideally shouldn't everything that be a lot of it? Anything that references a thing that isn't directly tied to the plot of the thing, right? See, as you can tell, we're getting very vague with it, right? Yeah, because that's that's. I feel like that's how it's used now. Oh, absolutely. And so it's like Captain Rex is. Fa- it's like it, again, it's one of those things. Like I said, I was saying last week. It's like I feel like it has to detract from the rest of it before that becomes an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like sure. I can even as much as I like the Luke thing in in the Mandalorian, I can understand that as being one of them, right? Of like an example of fan service because it kind of like takes the whole focus off of the actual characters of that thing for a minute to be like, oh, it's Luke, right? 
again, I don't even hate it, but I that one makes much more sense to, than than like what we've seen in this show thus far. Mm-hmm. Having Captain Rex be there for like a frame to be like, "Hey, Commander, it's me, Tamir Morrison." Come on, that's not anything. Yeah, it's nothing. It doesn't. It it makes sense. They're both there. Like we know, it's just referencing a thing that already happened. And I've seen some people say, like, "What was the point of this at all? This is just for to show people clones." And all the little man babies were like, "Ooh, I like my clones." They did like their clones, though. Which listen, they do. But I don't think that's exactly what this is. I don't think that's fair because they have meaningful conversations, right? Absolutely. Again, if it was literally just if it was just them shooting and and clones and pew pew and droids or whatever, you'd be like, "Okay, I guess I hear you." But it's not that. You so. even see a droid once. It's true. We don't even see a droid. So I, to me, it's pretty. It's pretty clear that like they're they were doing something with this time. But the thing I was going to say here, the thing that I am somewhat critical of, is I'm not quite sure what exactly the lesson that she needed to learn here was. I agree. It wasn't totally clear. I get all these ideas like in a vacuum, like like separately. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this idea that she was worried about her legacy, uh, that all she's done is you know with her career or whatever you'd call it as a jedi is fight right and she clearly uh is worried about a, a padawan and passing that legacy on right mm-hmm. um that's been a clearly a master and apprentice big theme of this show right yeah and so she's worried that like that's all she has to pass on to her apprentice is like war and this darkness that she got from her master and stuff but then the, the ultimate conclusion of it is she's like i want to live like we're be was that ever in doubt i think it's like I assume, thinking about it just now as we we're talking about it, like, keep fighting, like, calling back to when she's like, well, if I want to stop fighting, like, uh-huh. we'll die. So the thing is, she'll keep fighting um, despite it all. She'll, But I, I don't think it's developed enough because, the, I don't know, there needs to be more, I think, or yeah. more better explained because I feel like the thing with her eyes is very clear that she almost falls to the dark side. Sure. Very much like, then she comes back. But I don't think they tie it close enough to the thing that he's trying to teach her. Uh-huh. So I think it needed to be tied together more. Maybe they will later. It seems like it's one of those things where, like, she she needs to learn to, which is a like a classic lesson that's been brought up on a number of Star Wars things, which is like you need to kind of like move the past uh, or move on from the past, or at least like evolve with your past into the exist like, with it. Yeah, yeah, like like carry it with you kind of thing. You can't let this like fear of the past control you, but also like yeah, Anakin is a part of you, and the life that you've lived thus far is all part of you and there's no reason you can't pass that on to a student kind of thing mm. but yeah i just i didn't feel like it was fully clear to be perfectly honest with you i have to agree because again the thing is like the way he presents it in the beginning is like you gotta choose between life and death and then at the end she says i want to live but that's not really consistent with what they were talking about no so i i don't know i do feel it's that that's my biggest thing with this episode is it's a bit like wait so what did she actually need to learn like it's a, it's a bunch of scenes that all separately were all interesting and, and i feel like had good like stuff going on and interesting ideas and dialogue and things and then you put all together and it's like wait so what was the what was the actual are, thesis here why would we do any of this what was the point of all of this uh let's actually talk about hayden christensen we didn't really say anything about him actually doing this here it's good <laughs> I like <laughs> just a shrug and he's good yeah man yeah i i thought it, i'll you know it's better singing his praises anyway, if you can imagine i can imagine but i'm much more reserved than that listen i think he did quite good um i i do kind of agree with people who are like he actually seems to have channeled a bit of matt lanter from mm-hmm. from the, the, the series Wars? which I, I think is kind of cool and i do agree with that or it could just be that as he's aged he's gotten closer to sounding like that anyways mm-hmm. um, but he also did say he watched all this stuff all the clone wars to so catch up. i mean that's dedication here's the thing 
listen, I don't want to take away from his moment in the in the sunshine here, but I'm I think I'm gonna have to do just <laughs> okay. That's fine. Listen, I like I like this episode a lot. I thought I really did think he did a good job. But there's a lot of people who are being like, look, it, clearly Hayden Christensen is an incredible actor. He's the second coming of, of Christ himself, practically. He's like our greatest actor, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and between this and Obi-Wan Kenobi, there's a lot of people who are like, look, it, he was never a bad actor. See? Listen. I mean, maybe it's not even worth mentioning, but I just can't, I feel like... He wasn't another movie. I just feel like it's fine to... I, I don't think it's a contradiction to say that like he could be good in this and also bad in other things. Yeah. And listen, there's no doubt that a lot of that was like the script and stuff. But they're also, he might have been a worse actor 20 years ago. I mean, that's yeah. that's possible, surely, right? I mean, he was, what, a teen, early 20s teenager? Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I meant to look that up to, to lend credence to my argument. Let's see. When was Hayden Christensen born? 1985. Is that your, is that your that, final guess? That's my final guess. That, he, would have to be, he would have to be older than that. Bernie? 81. Mm, then four. So, yeah, he was like 21 when he was in Attack of the Clones. Real young. Really for an actor. He's no Timothy right? Chalamet. Yeah. Tell me that, maybe not that good of an actor. So, all I'm saying is, I don't know why I felt the need to point this out. I just did. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. Needlessly pointing things out is what we do on the show. I just don't think it's, yeah, it's to be like, well, he was clearly never bad back then. Listen, he could have been 21 and not as good of an actor. Probably. And also also the material was worse, and those things combined to produce a a, a not as beloved performance. And that's all right. It's all right. He was never in another movie again, except for that one really bad one from about pizza or whatever. He was in... He's been in movies. I don't know them. He was in Looper? No, not Looper. Jumper. Sorry. He was in a witch movie. movie with Nick Cage. Which movie? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called like the, the last one. Let's see. It's the Wicker Man. See, no, it was not the Wicker Man. <laughs> it wasn't the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. He like was like a. Re- I don't want to say like recent, but it was like relatively recently. I think. Did I make this up? Uh oh. Hayden Christensen, which I might have made this up. Hold on. Oh, Jack. I may. Have- <laughs> Oh. I've completely fabricated this. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, I'm gonna see Hayden Christian Nicholas Cage. The movie's called Outcast. Now it's not quite witches. I don't know why I thought it was witches. Movie I'm thinking of is this film, Little Italy from 2008. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a 2014 film. Oh, oh, I see. That's so recent. That's more recent than I even thought. This is a, but oh. it's not. It's a Chinese film of some kind. A mysterious. You want to hear the save their souls and save a kingdom. A mysterious warrior teams up with the daughter and son of a deposed Chinese emperor to defeat their cruel brother who seeks their death. He plays Jacob. I'm sure it's good, and by good I mean it's probably not. <laughs> I was thinking of Season of the Witch. I'm familiar with this one, which does have Hayden or um Nicholas Cage, <laughs> but just not Hayden Christensen. I don't no. know. So I think I've I've somehow combined them in my mind. They were such good films fascinating <laughs> but okay let's let's talk about the the tweet i sent you and the funny tweet i sent you about oh absolutely so i sent you this tweet um in regards to this uh, so over here from our favorite guy yeah star wars theories so we we famously <laughs> by fantasy i mean we've talked about it once but we have a one-sided years beef. ago <laughs> we actually may have brought, we probably brought him up then since then i'm sure we have we, we have a one-sided twice. beef with star wars theory the biggest star wars youtuber on youtube <laughs> The biggest. Um, we always pick fights with the biggest dog we can. That's the that's prison rules. Go in the yard, kill the biggest dog you see. Hey, like I said last time, I mean, punching up is okay, right? That's yeah. the whole point. And, it's, and, and even when you get to the top, just keep punching and up. And if he punches down on us, that's wrong. That's wrong. And you say, hey, I'm just a little guy with glasses. <laughs> just yeah, a little, you don't need a guy with glasses. glasses, would you? Come on. I'm just a little guy. I'm from, I'm from 6'3". I'm just a little guy. Maybe a Jewish character, perhaps. <laughs> I got temple. Come on, you can't break a gag. You can't call out the caricature as you're doing it. 
Who's going to stop out. me? We, we need plausible deniability. Goodness. Uh, I guess that's true. I wasn't doing that. But anyways, he says, hopefully Disney realizes Anakin Skywalker is the coolest character in all of Star Wars and what fans want to see the most of. Just the way he wrote that, right? The he's coolest such, character. What is he, 13? He's the coolest character in all of Star Wars. Him and Boba Fett. Um, oh, and he'll make them the most money of any slash all other characters slash project TV shows combined. Do it, Disney. Anakin, Young Ahsoka, Clone Wars live action. Now, now that one sentence, if we cast our mind back to Star... Who's Star Killer? Our famous episode from the first year of the show. I think within ep- twenty episodes we talked about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said, if I'm mistaken, forgive me if I'm wrong, that Star Killer show would make a billion mistaken, dollars. You're so correct. A billion. So by that logic, if if a billion dollars <laughs> is not the most money they can make off a character, that would imply that Anakin would make them at least, I would guess, by his metric, <laughs> ten times out of Star Killer, <laughs> at minimum. That would mean. He would have to make them ten billion dollars. That is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if it, the ten billion number is quite for for my point. It has to for the one billion number is so absurd already. Even, Either even, way, even a billion and one. Even if that's the number, that's insane. I get it. It, it boggles it, to the me. Mind. It like portrays like a fundamental misunderstanding of, of how the economy, the economy, <laughs> money, streaming situations, how those work. The business model of streaming services. How money? Where's this money coming? How from? money transfers between hands? Again, he he he. he, he I just on an on, a, on an insane level, he grossly overestimates how many people don't watch Disney Plus shows, the the Disney Plus Star Wars shows already, yet would find themselves subscribing solely for this show. Surely, it's like we've got most of them by now, right? We have to have this far in. How many Clone Wars fans are are choosing to sit this one out? I would say almost none of them. Right? Only the ones who can't afford it, I guess. Also, is Anakin even that great? No! He's an asshole! <laughs> Let's go through all of Anakin's portrayal. Episode 1, he's a whiny little brat slave kid. Episode 2, <laughs> he's a whiny little brat teenager Jedi. Episode 3, he's a whiny little brat who... He's very emo that time. He's, he's emo. He's a whiny little emo who kills his wife and his ma- and almost kills his master. And murders almost, a bunch of children. Murders children for fun. Uh, Clone Wars. He does war crimes all the time. People say, oh, the war crimes of the Clone Wars. No, he does do war 90% crimes. 90% of the war crimes, Anakin. Anakin does do actual war crimes. And you know what? That's why... Yeah, we've can... talked about... I've, I've, I've got on that soapbox before on the show that people talking about fiction don't actually know the difference between war crimes and acts of war. Because they're like, can you believe Chopper shot that man? What a criminal. And it's like... <laughs> pull the gat on him? <laughs> it's like, you're allowed to shoot people in war. They're going to shoot that's you. That's not a crime. That's just war, man. Like, it's like... You can say all war is a crime. But... Well, exactly. It's like a... It's a weird deal with little children. I'm like, you guys... Are you guys just realizing now that wars are bad? Because you're like, can you believe they did that? Yeah, that's... It's really... Yeah, it it's sucks. Soccer is bad things. Yeah, man. But... Yeah, Anakin did real war crimes in the Clone Wars. Here's the thing. Obi-Wan, probably a better character. He, here's the thing. Obi-Wan Less war crimes. He's, he's subjectively a better character. Doesn't he's like doesn't, the best Jedi? Doesn't become but the Nazi. Then, he's not flaw. He's not flawless, is he? No. Because at the end, he was like, "You gotta kill your dad," and he didn't have to. He didn't have to. That's what's so good about Star Wars, Jack. It's what's so you never have to kill your dad. You may want to kill your dad, but you don't have to. That's that's actually very true. It comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you're always itching to kill your dad. I mean, it's the Oedipus thing. Freud was right, maybe. Um, I I just saved a couple of replies. This guy says, this show is literally what the real fans want. You guys are going to cry if we get this amazing show, and that blows my mind. Uh, and then it turned that guy was kind of a, just a dick. Oh, how how might he fall? Um, someone replied to him saying, the redemption arc of not just the prequels, but Hayden Christensen's performance in the prequels is something to see. 
When I was in high school, it was universally agreed to be an embarrassing performance. Now he's sold as a big cameo return, and people are begging for more. Here's the thing about that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Lay it on me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's being sold as a big cameo return for people who don't care about Star Wars, right? Yeah, that probably is. And beyond that, um, I don't think anything he's... Like, that's not how redemption works, really, I guess. In this case. In this, in this context, at least. Yeah. Because it still is a bad performance. I don't know. It's weird to be like... When I was in high school, it was universally agreed that this was a bad movie, like a bad performance in this movie. But because of this TV show, twenty years later, it redeems the bad acting. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Still makes does the that sand- make sense to you, Jack? No, of course it doesn't. That's insane. Okay, good. Glad we're in agreement. We're all in agreement. Um, and then I just saved a quote from Dave Filoni, which I thought was very apt. Uh, he said, "I have to wonder what Star Wars fans they seem to watch the movies, but they don't take all the lessons. They deal in a lot of absolutes, which is very much a Sith thing." What a based thing for him to say. God, Good God on you, Dave. damn it. I don't, know when, I don't know when he said that, but... That hat hides an enormous brain. <laughs> <laughs> His big brain. His absolutely chad. The, he, hat is, the hat is the brain, just like folding out. Fold. You, know, you know, from the memes. Yeah, it's got surface area. But anyways, all that's to say that Ahsoka gets out and she's like, I want to live again. Um, we see her without her headband on. Did you find this horrible? distressing? It's a I bit said, weird, I was right? Like, Put that shit back on. It's a bit weird. That's a good thing she's always wearing a headband. So, like, it doesn't look bad. Like, I guess that's how it should look, right? Like, I don't know how else you would depict that. It's just... Yeah, but I hate it. Makes sense why they always keep them on, huh? Keep that bitch covered. Um, and then here it is, Jack. It's Ahsoka the freaking white man. What did I say? Jack, it turns out this episode is a, is a, is a good good example of us being right about things. We're so right, Jack. We're right, so smart. We're so right. You ever realize how smart we are? We're the smartest people around. Because you remember when I was, like, everyone was whining. Everyone was crying. Everyone was pissing shit in comments because <laughs> Ahsoka wasn't wearing white in... In the like, scene, no. right? We talked about this, you remember? No staff. She didn't have the staff, she wasn't wearing white. And I was like, maybe as a result of her arc in this series, maybe she will get to that point within the context of the of the series. And then she did. God. What a time. It's almost like it's almost like they had a story to tell. I think I said this at the time, but I was like, hey guys, maybe wait for them to tell the story. Could you even imagine such a thing? They couldn't, but I could. I, and I did. And you remember I also said I was like, everyone's like, Oh, she's too moody and she's not happy enough. And I was like, Maybe also they're going to resolve Reflective that. of her arc. What do we get, Jack? After she's back... She talks to Anakin like we said. She's back in tr- true form, don't you think? I think so. She's smiling. I feel like she's joking way more. I feel like she's much more jovial and expressive in, in the back half of this episode. Well, for sure. As a res- Again, reflect reflecting her arc, you know? Yeah. Uh, we get Gwen- uh, not Gwen- Genevieve O'Reilly. Mon Mothma back. She's like, you gotta come back. We, oh, do- we, we had a, we we had had a Leia you. reference earlier. Did we? Yeah, he was like, Senator, Senator Organa is stalling for us or whatever. Oh, yeah. wonder why they didn't show her. Because they got to decide if they're going to use some sort of ghoulish CGI monster some, again. Some horrible thing just use her daughter. Just use her daughter, maybe. No, it's Just have her daughter come in and play some, do, do a show. Can we put Alan Einrich in a wig? You can play all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> just get that guy that got to be, get that guy that got to actually be Luke and then they did some CGI mess to his face. Just get that guy because he looks like Luke. Get, and did something horrible to his voice. Get all nine Einrich. Getting Carrie Fisher's daughter. Finish yeah. that solo We said it before, I'll, but I'll bring it up any chance we get. Lando movie, maybe? <sighs> it's a movie now. It's you movie saw that? Yeah, I did see that. Secret I, don't, so- I don't like that. I don't Secret think. solo sequel? I don't like that as much, frankly. I think the TV show concept was interesting because each one could be a different, different adventure. adventure. But whatever. Don Glover's writing it, right? Supposedly. That's the idea. I guess not right now, but yeah, <laughs> he was or will be or I don't know. I don't know how it works. We get, we get, live, we get the full live action Pergill. I don't remember, Jack. Did you, one of us call this? I feel like we did. One of us point. must have. One of us must have called it, that she was going to get, because I was like, oh, they don't have the map. I think it was when they lost the map. Yeah, it must have been. I feel like you said it's the only that, thing they could have done. The Pergale. 
I'm gonna pretend that is. So that's another one we get. That's another point, baby. Woo! Woo! That's like oh, that's like three for three, baby. That's the most we've ever gotten in one show. We've never been wrong about anything. Never wrong oh, about If you go back in front, actually, that's like four for four. Like round up to an even five. I mean, you called Anakin. You I like, did call oh, Anakin for I called it out way back in Obi Wan. Yeah, we've been knowing this. We've been known. And if you ever find it, listeners, if you find any time we were wrong, I'll find you. <laughs> and don't you, you better not bring I'll it go up. Go to your house. We called Pergo, I think. I called Ahsoka getting the white outfit. Here the frick it is. I was like, she'll be happy. That'll be great. See, we're so smart. We're having such a good time. We got them all. Um, but that's it. That's I mean, that's she what gets in the whale's mouth and they fly off. They get up, they meet some whales. She's like, talks to it through the force or whatever, and then they get in its mouth and it zoops them away. And she's like, "Where are we going?" He goes, "Who knows? It'll be this fun." This is fun. Hu Yang is clearly much just trepidatious about this. I thought this was funny. She's like, "Get in." He's <laughs> like, well, "I don't want to get in." I don't. I don't know if I want to. It's like you gotta get in the ship first. They're like, "Get out of the way." These big whales are coming through. Carson Teva runs a little interference, which is fun. Some classic stuff. It's it's kind of like the bit from Last Jedi where he's like, "Can I?" You know the one. So like Poe po shows up and he's pretending like he can't hear Hux. Yeah, that's kind of like that because he's like, "Who are you?" What do you what do you guys doing state here? Your, state your business. State your business. I don't. I'm not familiar with you. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are doing. Uh, but they they zoop away. All the all the whales float off. All the big nice space whales, and they do use the hyperspace, don't they? They do. Pretty cool. Uh, so then uh, we zoom on to the galaxy, and finally, with two episodes left, three, three episodes left. You're right. Three, yeah. kind of, we're gonna see Thrawn. I think maybe. so. Maybe. So some people I saw this week said that this show's moving too slow. I really do think it's doing fine though. For me personally, it's keeping pace. It's one of those things where it's like, I guess I could, I could see maybe like condensing the first three or so episodes down to two, maybe two, two and a half. I couldn't, I couldn't see doing much more than that because I really like the last two episodes as as is. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to trim it down too much. I, I think that this this show could very easily get more seasons. I'm, I'm sure, especially where we're at right now. I'm mm-hmm. almost certain of it. That's what I was thinking. At least another one. So yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a problem to me. Not at all. Uh, so yeah again I get it on, to a certain extent that like oh Thrawn has been marketed as the big threat here and we haven't gotten him five episodes deep but I also don't think that well, we have other antagonists and stuff and it's we've clearly had a lot of character stuff for our, our existing characters so I don't I don't really think it's an issue yeah I think we'll be alright I'm, I'm I'm having fun with it I think it's the I really do think it's the, maybe the second best show they've had honestly for me pound for pound I think I like it more than The Mandalorian season one it's not finished yet, so I'll reserve we'll judgment, see. maybe. But, like, it does just feel a little bigger. There's more going on. There's more stuff. You know, The Mandalorian, it's great. But Could it is kind point. of, like, I feel like you can you can see the limitations at play there. Yeah, for sure. Being the first one they did, and they were just still kind of sussing everything out. So, um, I, I guarantee this show has more more budget thrown at it, too. So. Oh, absolutely. Which is only ever going to help, but all in all. Good stuff. Big freaking fan, man. Really good so far. So, now let's move. I can take out of that. Into a thing that we hate more than anything else in the world. It's just, a, it's just a dumb bad show. Dumb bad show. Bad show bad. <laughs> Wheel of Time episode 5, Damani. Right? Is that what it's called? I think it's called Damani. That's cool. That's that's good. The only thing they got right. That's the, um, that is the name of the chapter, which this is, well, there's, there's, I was going to say that it's based on, but you can't really say it like that. But part of, <laughs> part of this episode, there's a scene in this episode, okay, listen, that's taken from the chapter. In the book. In the book called The Money. All right? Maybe the only chapter that's... The only part of the whole episode that's follows the book in any way. Uh, so, what even oh, happens? Fuck. I hate this. What do you have? There you go. Start over. Uh, so, it starts with... I wanted to show you at the end where it said consulting producer Brandon Sanderson so we could shame him <laughs> for being involved in this atrocity. How could you even do, how could you do this to us? Well, so, it starts with Suroth and um, uh, 
the High Lord, whose name I always forget, Turak. And he's all like, you weren't supposed to do that thing you did. And I was like, oh man, that's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, this when is it happened, we were like, where's this come from? What is this scene? <laughs> and it turns out it's because she wasn't supposed to. Shamayel told her to do that. Shamayel told her to do that. Um, but once again, everyone in sh- all the Shanshan characters are way over designed. Um, they all got crazy hair going on and all these weird ornate masks, masks, and head and helmets, and sh- what are these shoulder pads? What the fuck are we like? The weird, like the very bone looking. He, he's got like scarification going on and in earpiece earring. I don't know. They look like hearing aids. <laughs> he's yeah, got gold, big golden hearing aids. I don't know. I, it's stupid. They're very. Um, I get sick of this. I get sick of it, Jack. Yeah, it's not good. Shunch, uh, Pat and Fanny shows up very casually. Where had he been? Yeah, we haven't seen him yet, and now he's just here, which is like, what? How did this come we, to Pat? We, like we, the two times we've seen Pat and Fane yeah. is the very beginning with the girl in Dreamland, right? And but now. Dreamland, and now I, I really feel like I've missed something. We knew they were chasing them, right? Yeah. Um, I like chasing him. That is, and, and all that. That's fine. I just would like to have seen at least like a scene where he's running. He's well, even like, how did he come to meet Ishamayel? When did that occur? Because he says he got out of the village, but we know that's not when it happened because we would have, yeah. unless they just chose to omit that scene. Weird, right? Where did, where did he come from? I just don't know how he specifically got to this exact place and time, but that's fine. And he gives him the Horn of Elliot. This is pretty on brand, or I, accurate to the source material, I guess I should say. So I don't have an issue with this. Um, I Let's just say I don't think he's going to hold on to it for too, too long, so... No, we don't, get a full, we don't get a full shot of the horn. You get a little bit. Yeah, it's true. Will that blow it? I don't see how he could. I don't even see how. But stranger things have happened. I guess. He doesn't appear for this whole episode, listeners, That's so don't worry thing. about that. He's just not in it. Uh, Rand and uh, Moraine are, are just running from Lanfear, and then they like get a horse and run some more and hide. It's kind of silly. They do a fun um, Scooby-Doo-ass scene where yeah, they do a, yeah, rides past on a horse, and then they peek up from behind a rock. And they go, she'll never get us now. She'll be miles away. I thought that was super dumb, personally. Uh, you know, Elias is, is, like, getting mad and parents getting mad. Lots of yelling. Even though parents are not really a big yeller. That's, like, kind of one of his distinct... That's why Fayil, you know, tries to get that out of him. Characteristics is that he doesn't lose his temper very much. Because, he, well, he tries very hard not to. But that's fine. They're like, you're a wolf now, maybe. And your boy's dead. They, get, they love bringing that up. They remind. It's, I've noticed almost every episode they remind us. I think because they don't want you to forget. I do not want you to forget. So okay, whatever. I just I can't. I, Apparently, it's up. like a nothing scene. It's just like the wolves are here too, and you can. It's not. You're gonna be a part. They're part of you. You're, they're your. You're pack. not even gonna miss it. It's so weird because it really does feel like Elias is pushing him to like lose himself, almost lose himself. Yeah, which is not really what he does. So yeah. So I don't know. Next, we do the scene from the Great Hunt where Perrin frees an Aielman from a cage. But it's not Gaul, who comes to be his companion for most of the series. It's, it's, it is the very important character, Avienda. We'll call right. uh, Cause, you know, we just gotta, just kinda shove everybody together as quickly as we can. Gotta fucking hamstring it. Um, when, so it seems like, based on this, that Avienda is just gonna be at Falma, the massive city of Falma. <laughs> Uh, the massive desert city of Falma. Yeah, the random desert. That isn't even like that south. There's more southern places that aren't deserts. If anything, the north is kind of desert. Yeah, like, it's like a tundra. When you get to the like a blight thing. The blight, yeah, like the borderlands. That gets to be kind of desert-like. And also the the borderlands like lead into the waste because like the mountains. Mm. Right? Yeah, because that you'll fight the borderlanders and stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean, we meet a uh, Dane. 
What's his face? Dane Bornhold. Which this is like one of the funny things. Like they're clearly fishing for bigger book readers here. Because they're like, oh, you're going to live in your father's shadow forever, Dane Bornhold. And they hope you don't pause it on Amazon with your x-ray on, because it'll just tell you I'd already done that. We already knew who Dane Bornhold was. Yeah. Uh, But also, if you hadn't read the books, that means nothing to you. Absolutely. Because he's not met the first guy. We've not met the first guy yet. And, I mean, even if you had met the books, or read the books, who cares? (laughs) He's not that big of a character. We've read the books. I'm like, Dane Bornhold, wow. Oh, he's such an integral character. The Wecklers are so integral that they disappear for books on end. Books and books and books on end. Because they're they're not that interesting of characters to write for at a certain point. And even there's several books in a row where, like, they just appear in the prologue. (laughs) Yeah. Just to show that they're still around. They're unimportant because they're kind of one note. They do one thing and they just fuck everything up for everyone. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, the wolves are evil, we think. It's like, no, not at all. You're just wrong about everything. No, but it turns out Eamon Fall didn't die. That's cool. Last. Yeah, I mean, it's co- it's better than not because he is like uh, kind of integral to like this plot line, the, mm-hmm. the white cloaks and stuff. But I don't know. She was supposed to be dead. Or he, he seemed like he was dead, but he's not dead. Good for him, I guess. God bless him. It also seems to imply that he's a questioner, which that's not really his whole deal. But fine. Whatever. I just can't bring myself to care much about this guy. Especially because we're so deep into the season just introducing this element. I feel like this... I don't know how, how key of a role this could play. Maybe it will, though. Because the White Cloaks are at Falma, but... We fight alongside them, our heroes. But we don't have a Shinar in force, so what's even the point? I don't know what the point of any of it is, frankly. No, me neither. <laughs> uh, no, but like they have a thousand men, like they have a whole legion. It doesn't seem like there's that many here. I mean, I'm maybe they'll they'll work it out. But again, like the actual dad, who's the character there, it's not here. Yeah, he's he's like the only honorable one. Uh, Varen of Rajas. Oh, no, we're not doing the white there. No, Lanfear catches up to the one lady. Turn their mouths shut. We'll, we'll go back to Kyrian for one thing. Uh, that's true. But yes, Varen we see arrives in the tower. Um, and I don't know, she's like taking over, like, and, and she's piling up, she's piling up, she's Ch- doing that. But Cho she's, Chang's there, Cho Chang is there, but she's like doing what I was gonna say, she's doing like a, I, I don't know, she, she's taking charge, trying to like get to the bottom of stuff in the tower. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for her, I guess. God bless her. I don't know, I don't know what this character's meant to be. I, again, I feel like they're putting way too much emphasis on the wrong characters in this show. Listen, I like Varen, um, she turned out to be. One of my very favorite characters in the books so far, which is saying something because we're very nearly done. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think this show is doing her justice. I think it's kind of she, they're they're missing the whole conceit Point of her it. character. Yeah, which is I I said this last week or the week before or whatever, but I, I'll just repeat anyways. But it's just that like she is kind of deceiving. Like her looks and and her general kind of the vibe that she puts off is one thing, and then she at times acts very differently. But in this, she just kind of mostly acts like a sass, sassy and assertive mm. the whole time. Kind of getting, yeah, pushing people around, getting what she wants. So it doesn't really, it's not, I mean, it's, I guess it's its own kind of thing, which is fine. But it's just not as interesting to me. Yeah. I guess it's interesting in a different way, but it's just not what I feel like is, is well done about her character in the book. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just so she's there. She's basically trying to find out. What happened to Nynaeve and them, I guess? Yeah, the, trying the, to find the them from I just don't know how... She would know they weren't there. But, like, yeah, where did? how did she get there? What it would? Because we don't really know why it is. I, I don't know. I guess I don't remember what happened to the... <laughs> where did we leave Varen last? 
She was with her sister? I would think so. And they were all traveling, but then Moraine is like, I'm going off alone, and then Lan hang out with Alana. Alana? I don't know. So somehow, but Severin's finally made it back to the tower. That's what she's up to. Um, there's a scene with Turoth and, or Suroth, sorry. And, and uh, Shamael. Shamael. Where she kind of sasses off to... She's pretty sassy, which we we talked about being notable, because it's like, the books the the Forsaken are treated very, very reverently by dark friends. Yeah, they're terrified of them because of the horrible things they'll do to them. Yeah, they like... She's like, you're chosen, but you don't have the blood. As if that matters. Because, like, something I find interesting about the books, and I, we've talked about this um, off-show, that is that, like, the Shadow, one of the advantages they have over the good guys throughout the series consistently is that they completely do ignore, like, boundaries, worldly boundaries and alliances in favor of just the Shadow, which is something that the heroes can't always manage to do, especially early on. It's like... Even though they should all be allied against literally like the Satan, Satan evil force that threatens them because it is just this objectively dark thing, they often find themselves arguing and fighting with each other still. Mm. Um, whereas the Shadow doesn't do that because they're all united in their service to the the Dark One. But this doesn't really convey that as well. So not at all. Apparently, uh, let's have free. Yeah, so he's gonna like sneak off because he's like, oh, I'm involved is here, and these are white cloaks. Those guys who don't like me very much. Like, I guess I better break her out, and this begins their you know, subplot. With well, they do a big fight, which is decent. I guess it's one of the more interesting things that's happened this season. At least they do a big fight, and then uh, he lets her out. So confused. Better, like, do you like dancing? Do you, can you do the dance? Pulls her um, fail up. You know, and we get a, uh, a start to what I can only assume is going to be a long, long line of like, "Ooh, you wetlanders, I don't get you," because that is what they do in the books. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of that. There's a lot of I don't really understand you guys, and you don't really understand me. <laughs> what are we going to do? My, my humor is so strange. Your customs are weird. Why don't you guys... You guys don't treat water with enough reverence. There's too much water everywhere. Why don't you guys follow G.E. Toe? Why do you guys follow G.E. Toe? So, this is going to be a lot sense. of that, which is... That's fine. I don't know what accent they're going for here for the AEL. I'm curious to see if it'll be consistent. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say no. Uh, I also... We never really mentioned it, but they, they do no kind of accent of any kind, really, for... The, the Shanks, Shanks. people from another continent. Except maybe Turok. I don't know. He's doing something there. <laughs> yeah. That's not the drawl they should have. No. should speak quite. like Texans. But he says, uh, we kind of skipped over the part in the ways where we've, it's revealed that Avi, or uh, not Avi, Leandrin has taken the Wonder Girls and, and is just dragging them through the waves somehow. Like just by fear, sheer force. It would have to be, I guess. I don't know. She put them on horses and dragging them around. Uh, did she wake? Did she like? Because she like slammed him into that wall, knocked him out. But anyways, in this scene, it's just fully uh, mask off. In case there was any doubt after last week, she's like, "You used the power as a weapon against us. How'd you do that? If you you it's broke the, the O's. O's, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't follow the O's. I'm a dark friend." So we know she's a black Aja. Um, and then that kind of ties in with the Varen Mer- plot, where she's like, "Maybe there's black Aja. I don't know. It's interesting. They're mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're catching the black Aja early." I guess they're doing that plot early. I mean, it makes me really wonder how it ties into Varen's long game plot in the mm-hmm. books, which is kind of a variation on that in its own way, but it would they wouldn't really be compatible with this, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's a whole thing. Whatever. But um, she's just like, yeah, I'm basically evil. And she kind of feels like she was trying to recruit Nynaeve to the into Black. the Black Aja, which I think is kind of an interesting detail. Yeah. Again, I don't know why they're spending so much time like trying to on this character. I really don't know where we're going to go with Leandrin yeah. long term to make all this like necessary or justified, but who knows? Who knows? Um, 
They gave Moraine a nephew. Yeah, Moraine and Brand go back to Kyrian to her sister's house, and I don't know. I just I I hate these scenes. This whole this the addition of this plot line is so tedious to me, just because it feels I, because I do know it's it's completely fabricated. I guess, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I've not got anything interesting enough out of it yet to justify the existence of it. I feel. I guess it's used to give Moraine her mojo back. She's all yeah, like... because her little sister gives her pep talk. Stupid. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She a very weird scene where she's like, "What's this guy's name?" She's like, uh, "It's a brand." Well, just say we thought of a fake name for fifteen seconds and couldn't come up with anything. That was a nephew who she likes. Why watch this here? I was saying like, I, Rosemary Pike does a fine job, and, I, and I'm sure it's not her fault or anything. I just something about this portrayal of Moraine just doesn't get across half of like what she's described as mm. for a number of reasons. Again, I'm sure it's mostly the script or whatever. I'm happy to lay it at their feet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it's just, she's, I don't know. She's not calm. She's not reserved. She's not like this like beacon of like grace and, and nobility like she's meant to be. Cause yeah, she just gets flustered at a simple question like that. Like, I don't know. And maybe it's, it's intentional to like show her state, but I just feel like even in the first season, she was going through a lot more distress and stuff. She just let the, let's the emotion through. And maybe that makes for a more interesting, Character, character, and actual like performance, but I don't know. It just feels like it goes too far. I said this last week, but it's just like the I said I are too. They're all too plain. They're all just too normal of people. Yeah, like they're just they're just prone to normal like vices and stuff. And and that is again kind of a lesson you learn throughout the series is that they are just people and should be treated as such. But it's one of those things where it's, it's like a long time coming, I guess. Mm-hmm. It builds over time instead it's, of just being like yeah. Well, we talked about last week. The illusion is slowly broken for the characters yeah, and you. You learn exactly. with the characters how. Twisted and broken and lost, much like the Jedi, in a way. They they are at this point. They become so set in their ways. Mm-hmm. They're so everyone listens to them, so they get warped in that way. They have all this. They're the only ones who really have the truest power. There's no one to stop them. There's it all kind of builds on itself. Okay, none of it in this. So you know, who cares about interesting plot lines? Right. Just have Varen do some detective work. Uh, so Leandrin, the the way of this word, she gets them to where she was going. So. She was taking them to FOMA, like she said, but not really for the reasons they thought. Oh. Um, and she has her meeting with Siroth here, which is also pretty much right out of the book, where she's like, all right, you can, you can have these girls or whatever. I'm, I'm a horrible, evil monster. <laughs> um, and they're like, we share the same master, but there's antagonism here, which is pretty accurate to the books and to most dark friends. Um, you know, like I said just before, like they work together when they're told to do so, but they're constantly trying to... One backstab each other and yeah. one up each other Try to climb so. to the top yeah which is kind of interesting because this is a good example of that of like they are diametrically opposed in their worldly like P- positions, positions right yeah. so uh, uh surath is a high lady in in Chan Chan where they yeah collar women who can channel and leandrin is an i said i at least ostensibly so they should be completely opposed, and they are, because they're jabbing each other, and she's like, well, maybe I'm going to make you do what I say one day. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll make you do what I say one day. Kill you with the power. Um, which is, you know, kind of like the other downfall. Like it's, like I said, it's an interesting thing that progresses throughout the series to me, is that in a lot of ways it seems like the shadow actually work together better. Yeah. But then by the end, when... The good guys get their shit together. The good guys get their shit together, it's no longer the case, and the good guys do start to do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can't channel when she gets kidnapped. So, almost which is dumb because her block is supposed to be that she only can do when she's afraid or, or angry. like super angry. Which this feels like a good a time as any to be angry. And that, f- that happens in the book. She gets angry and she has a big windstorm attack, and that's a, that allows her and yeah, Elaine to escape. Away. 
uh, Gwen doesn't. Spoiler alert. They get her. Like they do in the book. Which um, this is fun. I mean, I can't. They, I, mean, they, I don't really have anything to complain about here, I guess. They, they, they do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, this is all fine. Uh, the scene, act, again, this scene actually was was, was fine. That, that It was exactly what it needed to be, and yeah. it's pretty true to the book. The only thing that changes is they don't collar her immediately. Because in the book, right. they, get, they collar her like once they find her. Right. Which but is, I, but again, it's, it's more dramatic in the yeah, show. This, is, this, this one does not bother me in the slightest. Again, the conversation between um, Suroth and Leandrin is pretty on target. That's all cool. Uh, Perrin and Avienda have a chat with her cooking a rabbit or whatever. Uh, Avienda says that like she's she has towed a parent, so she's gonna follow him wherever he's got to go because she like is okay. indebted to him, which is fine. Whatever. Uh, clearly, it's just a way to like get her go- get her when she's roll Avienda into the story here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Uh, Nynaeve and Elaine get away. They're gonna try to sneak through, but then they're kidnapped by a warder <laughs> and his eyes to die, and she's like. We're going to have to work together. That's why I had to kidnap you. So you didn't get caught. Okay, fine. Uh, Moraine has a pep talk with her little little sister. She's like, you told me to, you could do anything or whatever. I don't know. She's like, I always knew you always wanted to do what you, you always knew what you wanted to do. And that's why now you can do it. Or whatever. You got to focus on what you're doing. And then she gets together. (laughs) She's like, I know what I'll do, Rand. We're going to let you go to sleep. And you're going to. Try to trick Lanfear into thinking you're in love with her so we can figure out where she's at and what she's doing with the Shamael. Um, that'll be fun, I guess. And then he's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I guess, whatever. Uh, we get also, is this, is this before the scene of Shamael and Lanfear in the dream world? They're talking. Mostly I just want to talk about the boys. <laughs> yeah. This, this. Yeah. Shamael's like rubbing, land a little, rubbing Rand around, getting real close to him. Uh, so they're talking in the old tongue and Doing some forsaken stuff, not quite as intense as it is in the book, but I mean, I can, I can handle it. They're doing enough. They're jibbing each other enough that it's like, yeah, this seems fine. Better enough than most things we get from the book. Oh, here's the best part. Well, Gideon's insane, and we know Grendel's a vain idiot. Wait, so what is she? Yeah. So this, Maureen tells Rand this episode that uh, he's he didn't kill the Dark One at the Eye of the World last season. He just let Ashamael free, uh, which is weird because like. It implies that he completely whiffed it, I guess. Yeah, he, d- he did the opposite of what he's supposed to do. Which is interesting. Um, and it puts it on him, which is not how it was in the in the books. Ishamael has been out the whole time. He, he never was cycles. properly sealed. So yeah, he's he is sporadically able to like walk the world for times and affects things. Which he has done throughout history. Like, he did it without a Hawkwing, and he did it during the Trolloc Wars. That's, he kind of started them and stuff. So to be like... He let me out, but then he says, "Then he says the Dark One let him out first. Yeah. It's 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 a bit unclear. If the Dark One can let them out. Why does he have to let out Landfear? But he's like, he, you know, why he let me out first? Because I'm the best one, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm the leader. I'm now. The funny thing we say is that she says, uh, Landfear says, Mogidian is crazy. Grendel is a self, vain idiot. Vain idiot. And the, the the boys are capable of doing it or something. Couldn't get a plan together if you use compulsion, which is wild because. Why does she refer to them as the boys? Because based on this, we know there's eight for a second. They there's cut it eight, down from yeah. thirteen to eight, and we have our we have two, and they mention Mogadine and Grendel. So we assume the boys are some combination of the other six men. So yeah. it's either Ravine, Bilal, Samuel, Demandred, and the other B one. Bilal. Is it Bilal? This is the second one. There's another ba- Bathamel or whatever. Yeah, all those fellas. So one of those four, they're out. They. Like the fucking four musketeers, they're all scheming and plotting together. You just don't know. 
It doesn't make any fucking sense. Also, the conversation that Shamil says, I'm going to get them all on my side, which is, that's fine. Uh, I think that works. Yeah. He's like, he says Matt was born mine. I don't know what that means, but he's like, Perrin's going to be a wolf and Randall's going to join us at Falma. That's fine. That all that all works. That all tracks. That's what they're yeah, planning the whole time. The thing, they got to split the Tavirin up. Uh, but then Turok calls for him and is, is uh, I think, rightfully a bit suspicious. He's like, where'd you come from? Who are you? How'd you rise so quickly? What the hell? You're not from, uh, you're not from around here. <laughs> not from around these parts. Or really, he's not from Shan Shan. How'd you, how'd you get involved here? How'd you see the omens that led us to you? And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. Just, yeah. And then he's like, here, actually to distract you, I'm going to give you a Gwen. A gift. There's a Gwen. They've collared her. Or they call her right then. Uh, they get her. They get the Zuldam. They get the Idam. They, they get the, all, the, all, the, all the words. All the, all the weird words that don't all the made sense. Way to, all the weird made-up words. And they're like, she's here. She's like the most powerful one. Because she is. It's, you know, that's an established thing. It's mm. like a, the strongest channel in like a thousand years. And they're, they're, they're going to make her a slave, basically. Yeah, torture her. I mean, from what we see. Well, which don't, is, don't skip the best part. Which is end. rough. Uh, from the preview, they're really going to go all out for that. Which We talk about a lot. Um, in the books, that it's very upsetting. It's a thing that never goes away. Um, it, it, from this, from the second book when it's introduced, well, it kind of there's gaps, but um, it's a recurring idea all the way through the very end. Here, we still haven't had a resolution to this idea that like they keep slaves, they and keep stuff. horrible magic slaves, and it's very upsetting. Yeah, because it's that horrible magic. Like slavery normally is really bad in the way that it can break your mind, break your spirit. You. Yeah, but when it's literally magic magic it's not there's nothing like yeah there's no ifs ands or buts about it because it magically breaks you it's it's very upsetting and they get to this point where like a lot of them are are very much like they they're not human they're like yeah in a way they like want to be collared they're like they believe it yeah when when they're offered their freedom they wouldn't even take it kind of thing it gets really rough they so. don't like being called by their new names i i, I assume they'll do that the, the her sudama give her a new name because they do in the book they let her keep her name they give her a new name are you sure? Um, I haven't finished reading the end of the Great Hunt again, but she literally says, uh, so I don't remember what her reasoning is, but the first Soldom who gets her says, like, yeah, actually, you know what? You can keep your name. Well, good for her. Moosh does, though. I don't remember. And then, uh, yeah. They make Wait, they follow through on Moran's plan. And, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go to my dream and talk to Lanfear and pretend she, she gets me so we can get some deets out of her, I guess. And then he wakes up on a tied to a big wheel in Burning Man? I don't know. Yeah, he's trying to do a big wheel, which seems, you know, symbolic. And Lanfear's there, and she's on a she's on a throne, and she's dressed like a dominatrix, yeah, kind of, basically. <laughs> so basically, that's I guess tying into the thing they were planning earlier to like give her what she wants, and then I don't I don't know what they intend. I still am not really sure what they intend to get out of that. See where Shamael is. It's weird that we're like five book or five episodes deep, and it's like Rand still has done nothing next to nothing other than just be fooled by Lanfear. Talk, like, that's not talk to a bunch of people beat up a guy to get to talk to fucking Logan. Logan was nothing so we left and then he burned down a house i just feel like talking to getting stuff out of Lanfear is not a plot in and of itself no not at Sh- all his whole season shouldn't just be about like dealing with her i don't know seems lame but we need to follow it's been thus far yeah i guess we will but whatever anything else to say no, I, I, I don't like this very sh- the show very much. I have that to say. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's pretty awful. Unequivocally. But, you know, we'll, we'll have more to say in the, in the coming weeks when they really try to... Which will be more interesting, in a way, to watch how they slam them all into Felma as fast as possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, und- undeniably. 
Should be great. Should be great. Can't wait to do the like they do the palm thing where he will they burn the hair into his palms? I just again I've said it pretty much every week, but I think it can't hurt. They need to let him do something, anything of note, so that like we believe he's a dragon. Yeah, that he's an impressive character of some kind because it's all just it's all just tell not show so far. Or he's being dragged around. Oh, good. He can't even beat up like one woman. (laughs) Yeah, without help from his friend. What's that about? I mean. Come on. Come on. He's the strongest guy around. Can't even beat up a single woman. That's crazy. I mean, I could beat up a single woman. If I had to. Listen, if, if she was the daughter of the knight or whatever. She was like blood. She needed all my blood or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was calling blood to me. She thought I was like the reincarnation of her long lost boyfriend and she was going to be real weird about it. I'd get it done. I get it. I mean, I wouldn't like it. No, no, no. Of course not. But if I, I don't have, I don't have, a, you know, Rand's compunctions, you know. No, I don't. Random parent and Matt, the three of them are all like, ooh, I couldn't beat up a woman. You know, all the women are like, don't do that, guys. It's not cool. It's actually. Even though all the most dangerous women in the. Or all the most dangerous people in their world are women. mostly women. That's right, though. It's, a, it's, it's commentary, Jack. Saying things about society. Too many things. I'm tired of hearing about it. <laughs> all right. Well, we can probably. I can take out of that into our final topic of the evening uh, The Haunting of Venice. A Haunting That's not in what Venice? It's called. A Haunting in Venice. Correct. Haunting in Venice. Uh, the new Hercule Poirot film. That's right. Starring and directed by Kenneth Branagh. If I can spell haunted correctly. Uh, good movie. I thought so. I enjoyed it. I liked how spooky it was. Me too. I, I thought, thought it was a good bit spooky. I thought it wasn't like cheap. It didn't do a bunch of cheap scares. No, I don't think so. I thought this movie... I didn't think it was cheap in any way. I thought this movie looked great. I think the production values were really like top notch here. Oh, yeah. It was a fine-looking movie. I, if anything, I have seen reviews that say basically, like, if anything, it's too much. Maybe this, the characterization suffers a little for some of these people because mm-hmm. there's so much time spent on, like, how good, you know, the movie looks and lining up all these fancy shots and stuff, and I can kind of see that. But overall, really good. I find it fascinating. I think we talked... So, last, last, just last year, we talked about Death on the Nile because that's when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, after a million billion years right so that's the reason that there's one of those in seemingly like back-to-back years even though that was like very beginning of last year and now we're you know coming off the end of this year but it's because of covid it got delayed many many months i think it probably was one of those ones that got almost like two full years of delay right mm-hmm. yeah I think about 2022. that oh, was yeah. probably originally a 2020 2019 it had to be a 2020 film i think so that's how they've you know seemingly been able to crack them out crank them out it's because it, they didn't really have to Although, then again, this movie probably didn't take very long to make. No, it's it's like one one building. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it's a relatively relatively cheap movie. Yeah, or, yeah it was sixty million. That's relatively cheap. Um, dude, I don't know what it is about. Like I said, so that's what I was getting at. When we talked about Death on Nas, said this. These movies are weirdly controversial. Yeah. Just, we talked about like there's a lot of people who feel very passionately about this character, which I get to an extent, right? It's pretty, it's beloved novels and beloved character, but mm-hmm. like. God, people get really up in a tizzy about these. Yeah. It's one of those things which, you know, I feel like a lot of people could benefit from. If you don't, if you really don't like it. Don't engage with it. Just don't watch it. Yeah, it's weird to be like, oh, I hate Kenneth Branagh because of what he's doing to Poirot. The famed Poirot. Just don't watch him, man. Yeah, don't give him money. Then I'll stop making them. If nobody watches them, they won't let him make them anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one way to do it, I guess. Vote with your dollars. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very weird to me. Because I, I think they're fun. Yeah, I've liked all of them so far. I think this is the best of them, hmm. personally. Out of the two I've seen, I like this one more than Death of the Nile. I think Death of the Nile might be the weakest. Of the three? Of the three, and even then, I did not. 
I like hate it. it by any means. No. I don't know, man. It's just so, like... I, I feel like these movies are, in general, at least a bit of a cut above, like, the most general, like, average, you know, slop out there. Oh, yeah. They're clearly, well, like, I feel like they are, if nothing else, well-made, right? Like, they're, they're kind of high production put value. together. Yeah, I feel like they have high production value. He clearly cares. Oh, yeah. He puts a lot into it. There's... He wouldn't direct, star, and produce three, three of, of these running if he didn't care about really it. enjoy this, I yeah. think. And I think that shows. And again, whether you, like, love his particular portrayal of Paro or not, like... That's something, right? Yeah, at least, at least. I mean, even if you don't shouldn't like, that count for something? I think so. At least a little bit. At least give him like, if you're not gonna watch it, at least be like, well, he's trying at least. I just don't get it. It's again, I. And it's so funny too because they are smaller movies. Like I said, they're they're. I think that they're, they're cut above like the general kind of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the general day to day kind of movies we get nowadays. But like, I also just don't think that they're they're that big. I mean, they are like somewhere in the middle. I. This stuff is kind of foggy. Like, like we talk about lots of budgets and stuff this mm-hmm. year, and, and how movies do and don't make their budgets back. But yeah, I don't know where a sixteen million dollar movie falls now, that but, scale. But I mean, nowadays it's it's on the smaller end. Oh yeah, so like a mid sized movie, I guess maybe maybe even below that. Yeah, it's it's not like that. It's that big of a thing. In twenty twenty three, to have a sixteen million dollar movie is pretty. That's pretty cheap. You're doing it on the cheap. I don't remember where I was going. With that. Strangely controversial. I think is how we started. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I lost it. I was just, I, I don't know. I'm not sure specifically. Well, we can get in the film itself, right? <laughs> we lost it. Maybe I'll come back to you as we talk. I was, about, I was too busy trying to find the Wikipedia page to see if it could tell me how long it took them to make it. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. So March 22, uh, it was revealed that the script had been written. And it was confirmed in October of last year. And yeah, now it's out in uh, September of this year. So Filming began in October of last year. So yeah, a whole year. That's, that feels pretty quick. It's not too bad. Probably took them like two, three months. Maybe to is, that, is that all I was saying? Maybe I was just trying to say they could film them pretty quick too. And that's yeah. why there's already another one. Like I don't think it actually is too big of a movie anyways. No, because all of them have to take place in like one area. Yeah. So you can like keep track of everything. I'm going to say spoilers at the top here because yeah. it's a mystery. So if you don't want the mystery spoiled for you, play us on, just turn us on mute for us rest of the episode. Let it run through. Give us those sweet, sweet minutes listening. Sure. Um, but yeah, so this, uh, we find Praro in 1947's Venice, Italy. Yep. Uh, and he's, he doesn't like doing, he's not a detective anymore. He's kind of just in retirement, doesn't want to do it. Everybody's clamoring at his doorstep being like, Paro, you gotta help me. My fam, my, there's, there's one guy in particular, my parents are dead and my brother died mysteriously and what am I to do? And his bodyguards keep him away and he kind of lives his life very just by himself, kind of lowbrow. And then one day someone appears, Tina Fey's character, uh, the American writer, Olivia something or other, and is like, Paro, I'm your friend. Let's talk. You should come to this seance with this medium. I can't figure it out. Maybe you can, and I'll use it for my next book because I'm not doing too well. My last three books weren't bestsellers, even though she had 27 other bestsellers. So <laughs> I feel like 27 out of 30 ain't too bad. It's uh, 90% at least. She's like an Agatha Christie self-insert. Yeah, <laughs> literally. She's, it's 1940, but she talks as she was in the 1920s. She talks very fast and big, but that style carries over in America still. I will say time. that was a decision that kind of surprised me. To do a 10-year ti- a jump from the last movie and have him be retired. Mm-hmm. Just because it feels like it happens your further sequels potential. But I guess, they, I mean, they obviously resolved that by the end. But I yeah. still thought that was kind of weird. 
seemed like a big unnecessary kind of move if you want to keep cranking these out. Yeah, I guess you can't do it during the war, though. So, like, ah, the war's about to happen, so. Yeah, maybe right. I guess I don't know when Poirot's stuff is supposed to take place. Me neither. Traditionally. Is this traditionally this kind of time frame? Again, it's one of those things, like, we have no attachment to this. Maybe that's why I enjoy these, <laughs> despite all the weird complaints. But mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. To skip a whole ten years and be like, he's retired. Because it's like, well, don't you want to make more? Keep making these? Again, I don't know. He's It's clearly something he cares about on some yeah. level. So, why would he tell this? Maybe should get his mojo back. Um, so he goes to this, it's Halloween, and he wants to go to this haunted, what is it, not a house. Is it, well, it's, it's a house. It's, a, it's I don't know what exactly. It's, it's a type special. of house. It's yeah. the Italian, or I don't know. Some some kind of large house. It's like a big, yeah, it's like a kind of like a, a, a nice big, I, it's not really a mansion because it's Venice and the way the houses are, but like it's that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a big house, lots of rooms. And, should be expensive kind of thing. And it's cursed. And it's cursed because... The girl lived there with her mother, who was, does still live there, uh, died under mysterious circumstances in the suicide. a year ago. They, there's like this legend that it used to be an orphanage, and that... The plague came through. The plague came through, and they locked the orphans inside and let them die. And now they, they haunt it, and they want to kill people. They don't, they, they don't like doctors, they don't like nurses. But they also killed this girl for some reason. <laughs> they like spoke to her, she like went crazy towards the end. And so everyone at the seance is, for the most part, someone who has some connection. Some kind of connection. Besides, well, so it's the, obviously it's the it's the medium herself. It's Poirot and his writer friend, um, his bodyguard, and then the assistants, and then everyone else should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the the mother of the deceased, the ex boyfriend, fiance, ex fiance, the doctor took care of her. Doctor took that care doctor's of her, yeah. young son. And the housekeeper. Who the housekeeper, that's it. And yeah, like you said, in classic Paro fashion, it's like we're all in a room. Oh we God. all have different reasons for being involved in this. And the medium is murdered, basically. Yeah, and then that's that sets it all off, right? Yeah. Because Paro is not, from the jump, he's not interested in... Mediums. The like, oh, this could really be a ghost. But what he deduces pretty quickly is... Well, it seems like one of you did think that the medium was real. Was going to be able to rat you out. So one of you here is the one who killed her then, and you've been, you're worried about covering it up, kind of thing. And that's that's what sets it all off. Yeah. Uh, he does a whole little speech at the beginning when he meets Michelle Yeoh's character. He's like, "Yeah, I don't believe in you know. I, if you show me proof, I'd believe in them. But I've seen too many horrors in the war that I was in." And I've lost my two faith wars in humanity. Now. Two, two wars he's been in. All the terrible things that have happened. Yeah. And all my faith in humanity is lost. So there probably isn't a God. Because why would he allow such horrible things to occur? Um, and the medium is the thing where she knows things about him. And during the seance, he like proves part of it wrong. They got like a magic, like a keyboard that like talks. But it's just some guy in a chimney. Um, and so he's starting to break it down. And then he kind of starts losing his mind. He, like, can't finish his sentences. He's, like, hearing things and seeing, like, children in the mirrors. The water isn't turning on when he needs it to. He's leaving it on. He's losing it. And he can't kind of figure out why. He's trying to interview them. And he's going through the list. He goes through everyone. They all have the reason. The doctor was a former um, medic. So he, he went to, he found a concentration camp, um, and he was scarred by that. Says he shot himself in the chest? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which wild so he's pretty got shell shock and ptsd from that and he's all kind of jumpy and antsy just like mm-hmm. kind of paro is the son is kind of a paro in training in a way this is kind of the the 
part of the film where I do kind of agree with the idea that maybe not enough time was given to the characters. Because, I mean, this is a very, also a very classic Paro bit, or at least, again, based off these movies, yeah. <laughs> where he separates everyone and then interviews them. Um, but this one, I feel like more so than maybe the others even, it's just like, this is where we get all our character development, yeah. and that everyone has their one scene to Say all describe things. their whole thing. They do their whole life. And Paro's like, hey, here's my thing. Here's here's everything about my life. And he goes, what about this? And he goes, well, uh, this. All right, listen, this is my character, real quick. I was in the war. Now I have PTSD. All right. Can we move on? Next character? Me. I was in love with her, but I and I really was in love with her, and I didn't break up with her because of the money. I broke up because her mom was crazy. But I did love her. I loved her more than anything. And I'm really sad about her dying. All right. All right next. next character. Okay. We're, we're half siblings. We're from Hungary. And we want to see- whatever. Are we going to talk again for the rest of the movie? Probably not. We're going to go to Missouri. <laughs> some, sh- some American soldiers sort of meet, us, meet me in St. Louis. Now I'm crazy. Yeah. Crazy for Missouri. Only a person. That was actually maybe my funnest. The uh, the one I found the the funnest, the most fun. I had the most fun with. I like that it would cut between them, and they would often be giving opposite answers because the brother's a little clueless, and the sister's kind sister's of sister's clearly much more with it. Yeah. So he'd be like, "She realized she really was magic. She, she could do it." And the sister's like, "It was all bullshit. Yeah, she it was, was obviously right. made up." Yeah, we couldn't do that. I like how he was like, "Oh, it's probably true," but he's the one who hides in the chimney and does the thing. Well, right, and that's that's what Perot says, and he's like, "Well, no, listen, I just had to." It was just to drive home for... It was just for effect. To drive home the reality of what she was doing. <laughs> like, yeah. You're an idiot. I like when he's like, well, your brother already read you out. Actually, your sister already read you out. Yeah, kind very of good. I thought each that other. was a fun one. Did, they end up going to Missouri in the end. They're they like, do. Uh, so then, what stage do we get to when the, the doctors... It's because uh, they go to the basement. They, he finds that there is a... There is a basement. A basement, and that maybe their, their kids really were kept down there and start, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy revelation. But the, the scary thuddy that, thudding they've been hearing was just a, a boat smacking up against the house. Yeah, breaking through. There's a skeleton. There's um a skeleton full of bees. Damn, weird, creepy. Weird, creepy. Which are coming to play later, in a way. No way. And then, because uh, that's when they put go to put the doctor down, right? Because he's having a hard time. Because he fights the uh, fights yeah, he the fights fiance. The, the fiance, and, and then he's mysteriously killed. Because he's like, we're gonna put you in this soundproof room where no one can hear you. And then they're like, yeah, well, you're going to I knew die. that guy was going to die. Yeah, yeah, that's very obvious. So he dies, and his son's like, oh, my God, my dad is dead? What the fuck? And per- oh, it's also revealed that um, Perot figures out that his bodyguard and the author in cahoots and are trying to trick him, trying to make him look like a fool, essentially, mm. where the author's like, well, I wanted to write a new book where you, the Perot can't do it. Like, he loses. The great Paro, undefeatable Hercule Paro, actually lost to this medium. He's like, I don't like that you tricked me. That was really mean. <laughs> You're my friend. You're my friend. I let you into my house and you tricked me. It's like, all rats, all fooey. Because I can write my, my book of the century. Yeah. Flappas. It's, like, it's 1950, man. Stop doing that. Um, and then yeah, it was revealed that the bodyguard was a police officer. And he was the one who pulled the daughter out of the water a year ago. So he had been to the house because he knew where certain things were. Um. And then we get the big reveal, the big fun. Well, yeah, the the what did we left? You mean you just mean like the, the who the murderer was? Right? Yeah, who the yeah. murderer was? Yeah, big reveal at the end. He gets it because of the bird. I thought the bird would the parakeet would play like say something to him because uh-huh. he said the parakeet hadn't spoken. But it kind of it kind of serves a purpose where it, it's the one that helps him figure it out. Yeah, helps him figure it out. So did you put any of this together at any point? Uh no, no, I just kind of a little bit. Did you have a, who did you think it was? Um. You know, I really, I honestly really was on along for the ride for this movie. <laughs> I kind of started taking work. I was like, I really don't know who it's going to be, and I was just having fun. Well, that's fine. 
Um, I thought it was going to be the mom. Early on, that was just my guess, and I didn't really get enough very much to support it throughout, but I was just kind of like, makes sense to me, I guess, vaguely. Mm-hmm. And well, spoiler alert. Spoiler. I, I was correct. I was trying to put, you know, there's a couple details I feel like I, I managed to... The thing about movies like this, which is kind of the fun of it, is that, like, they obviously move at a, at a clip, right? Yeah. The difference between, like, a book where you can, like, reread stuff and kind of flip back and forth if need be is, like, a thing happens and then you've moved on. You yeah. don't really give back it much to it. thought. There were certain parts where I was like, all right, that's important. Like, there are very things that's like, all right, that's clearly a clue to help me figure this out, but I don't know. I, I don't have it. I'm not thinking about them enough in sequence. Like, when her fiance cuts his finger and they puts the honey, he's like, and he says it's not the hunt, the wildflower honey. Yeah. That was one. And I was like, that's something. I feel like I did think when, when the bodyguard went to use the phone, I did think, I was like, how did he get in that phone? He, he went right into their secret phone. How did he get in that the club? Yeah. There's that. There's a couple other little details where I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm the linen closet with the honey approaching something here. Yeah, I didn't notice that one though. I, I just seemed it was odd. And he was like, that's odd, but I'll move on. Um, yeah, I did figure. I was like, there clearly is something. I I didn't think at any point that it was actually going to be ghosts, ghosts or ghouls or anything. So I was like, okay, what do we? And I was like, okay, so the daughter is clearly ill in some with something, mm. like like objectively. Um, and then I guess I didn't think. Until the pretty much the very end, I was like, "Oh, Poirot is also he's also he's been drugged in some way himself, and that's why he's seeing these things." So in his mind, I didn't I didn't quite think of that for some reason, but yeah, I didn't think of that either. I suppose it should have been obvious. Yeah, I feel like the when I thought about like oh the bees being there makes you think honey more like a uh-huh. different kind of honey and all that. Uh, it's just enough that you wouldn't think of like mad honey. It's one of those things where sometimes these things the detective things go a step further than they actually give you you're like oh it's the honey but you're supposed to be like it's the honey doing something and you would never guess like oh, right well it. that's that's the whole idea right yeah but behind like who from what i've always understood but like Kirsty ones in particular mm-hmm. is that she she is pretty good at, good about giving you all the parts but like you, you still kind of need paro to put it all together at the end because he's smarter than you <laughs> yeah and that's that's what you get here because again all the details are there in plain view like the honey thing or the th- like it we all see it you like you can see it all but it it's still a matter of like putting it all together in the right order yeah the dead stabbing himself with the back weird we were ready to kill yourself yeah i thought when there's a there's a shot where as like they're they're leaving him in there alone which you where you can see like the the dress frame thing mm-hmm. right and um at first i was like is that a person standing in the corner like is that just an actual human and i was like well that seems odd that person's gonna stab him or whatever yeah. But then it, when they went back in there, it was like, oh, that's a that's like a dress form. Um, so I thought it was just someone who stabbed him. And then I thought it was pretty suspicious when she locks him in there. She's like, hey, Pearl, I've just locked him in here. Here's here's the only key. Yeah. Because I was like, well, okay, this is her house. So she would have another key. Yeah, I, my guess was just that she had a different key. And I was that's when I was, I kind of, I circled back around and I was like, it was the mom. She got it the whole time. Because like, what the hell? That was suspicious as hell to be like. Yeah. I've locked me. Here you go, Poirot. The only the key, only key to get in here. No one could get in there. Again, like, I thought the twist was just going to be that she had a key. <laughs> Tried to key the whole time. Two yeah. keys. They old, the that old two key makes trick. at least as much sense to me as convincing him to stab himself. But hey, there you go. What are you gonna do? Uh, but I always love. I mean, it's always cathartic when the detective thing, like yeah. Benoit Blanc or Poirot, is like. And here's the other thing. Here's the flashback to it happening. Uh, so it was revealed again. Spoilers. Uh, the mom did it. She was poisoning her daughter because she was like obsessed with her unhealthily and wanted to like be a little child and dependent on her. Yeah. 
um, was slowly poisoning her with this mad honey. And the doctor, who was in love with her, the want mom, couldn't really see it because he was kind of losing it and didn't, couldn't quite practice correctly and couldn't put the pieces together from made blinded by his love and also his shell shock, PTSD. Mm-hmm. So all of those things. Turns out her son put it together and blackmailed her to help, help his dad out. But she wrongly assumed that it was the father doing it or the... Well, the poisoning... Well, basically, well, first, the, the poisoning goes all too far. Right, yeah. To the point where the daughter is actually killed by it. Yeah. And then she orchestrates the whole... I'm going to scratch her with this symbol that's supposedly associated with these vengeful orphans and then throw her into the canal so it looks like she drowned herself or something. Yeah. And uh, then that'll deflect the blame off of me. Because the superstitious Italian police are going to be like, probably these dead children did this. Because not a rational person exists in all of Venice. Evidently. Yeah. All of rational thinking goes out the window with their but deep-seated Catholicism. Then when they get to the seance, she's actually is convinced that the medium really can... Tell the future? See the ghosts? Or, or yeah, whatever it is. See the, see the ghosts, tell the future. Whatever mediums are supposed to do. <laughs> All those things and more, maybe. And she's like, well, I gotta kill her to get rid of it. And then uh, she thinks the same with the doctor. Because she wasn't really certain which one of them might be blackmailing her. So, so she, she might as well get her room both. And Paro gets her for all three of them. And then she runs away and also gets falls into the canal. <laughs> From the ghost, maybe? Maybe from the ghost. Maybe the ghost is real. Yeah. That's I was, kind of the stinger out of it. Yeah. Right? He said, maybe there's something. Maybe there are ghosts. Because Paro's the one who sees it. Yeah, like, and at the end, like the writer friend is like, yeah, but you were you were seeing some stuff, weren't you? The whole time. And like he does seem to have, have visions or whatever of her, mm-hmm. of varying ages, helping her, or helping him solve the case. And it's like, that's weird. So I'm still inclined to agree with him for the most part, that there's nothing supernatural afoot. And yeah. that... Because I think it's just it's suggestion. Just edit- yeah, exactly. That's how hallucinations work, right? Because he sees. Because one of the things is that he looks at the photos of her on the balcony, and one of the photos is her as a little girl that he sees yeah. and speaks to. It's like clearly that's just because hallucinations are going off of stuff in your own in your brain, kind of mind. It's just, it's not like yeah, creating stuff out of whole cloth to just produce for you. That's not really how any of that works. I don't think. No. So the idea would be like yeah, you, you kind of fill it in yourself, and he says as much. He's like. Well, I was, you know, something about, like, his unconscious mind going ahead of his conscious mind or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he gets the idea. But nonetheless, the events of the case... Um, Reawaken him. And inspire him to take up... Solve it again. Dune cases again. And he solves that one guy's case, like, immediately. Yeah, basically. I saw... I, um, I think I was just reading the synopsis, and they were like, His faith in humanity restored. Poirot sets off Dune cases again. And I don't know if that's quite it. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. Because I don't. See his friend betrays it. him. His friend and bodyguard both betray him, and he gets involved in a terrible case about a woman who killed her own daughter and then killed again to hide it. Like it doesn't really contradict anything that he says at the beginning of the movie, which is that like when you've seen as much fucked up shit as me, you don't really have a lot of faith anymore. Yeah. Because then he goes through a, a whole movie of seeing a bunch of more fucked up stuff. <laughs> yeah, more fucked up stuff than yeah. But just as fucked up as the Nile stuff. I don't really think. That he's doing it because he's like, ah, yes, God must be real. So there's justice in the world. There is ghosts or whatever. I think it's more just so of like, well, I can help people. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't, like, yeah. He's, he's not having faith. He just says, well, no one else is going to do this. Doesn't mean that everything he said before wasn't correct. Mm-hmm. And also, I think probably part of it, he's like, man, that was pretty fun. I had a fun solving that case. I did think, part of me thought that 
this movie is going to have an ending or part of an end where he looks up back at the house and there's like a ghost, like her oh, ghost yeah. actually standing there, like waving at him, mm-hmm. being like, you did it. Now I'm going to go be like, I'm going to back and rest now. I can yeah, move yeah. fast. But I'm like, nah, it doesn't kind of work. Cause then I feel like you have to, you always have to question if what he saw was real. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives a little boy advice being like, Hey, oh, yeah, it turns out the little boy was doing the blackmail. Yeah. He was like, don't you want to, you, you secretly want attention. I know a lot, a little bit about that. Don't do that. Be a, be a normal human being. Go play outside or something and don't read your Edgar Allan Poe books in the middle of a party by the food table. You actual fucking weirdo. Uh, the maid takes her in, takes him in. Um, yeah. He gives the excess money to the siblings to go to Missouri. And, and good thing no one goes hungry in Missouri. It was very funny to hear them talking about how they love Missouri and so longingly of St. Louis. And I was like, ooh. I said in my letterboxd review, only someone from a war torn country would long to go to Missouri. <laughs> There you go. Because no human, if you went to anyone in America, like I'm gonna go to Missouri, you're like fucking why? Are you being forced to? Again, St. Louis, the most dangerous city in this country. We we did a whole thing about it on the show. Mm-hmm. It's worse than Detroit city That's prime, true. and they're the city prime I mean, evil. The city prime evil. They got the Oklahoma City wild man. You gotta remember that. You gotta be aware. Ought to be aware. They got a big arch. They're just gonna keep people out. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's the case, man. Another one in the books for Poirot. What's the next one he's gonna do? You think? I don't know. I hope he does it. I just don't see why they couldn't just keep throwing these at him again. Like take a year to write, <sighs> do it every year for a hundred years. Do the do the mouse trap or whatever. Is that a Paro one? I don't know. Um, I don't know either. I know it's the longest running play. Oh, I don't think that is a Paro one. I would, I'd like yeah. to see that. I really would. They're probably still doing it somewhere. I think so. But you know, that's the whole thing of um, where like people still don't talk about the ending of the mouse trap. Yeah, people are good about that. Huh? Because at the end, they tell you every time. Yeah, they not to do they it. Implore you not to. That's the that's the um, plot line. That's part of the plot of night. Uh, see how they run, where they solve a mystery during the production of mouse of the mousetrap. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then in part of it, they're like they do at the end of the movie. They go, "Hey, don't tell me about the end of this movie." They like break oh, the fourth fun. wall. Fun time, good movie. That's cool. Sam Rockwell's does great, and Sasha Rowan is in that movie too. Adrian Brody's in it. Sasha who? Not Rowan. The Ladybird girl. Uh, Suarez Roner. That's her name. Gotcha. What do you mean, no? I don't care. It is not. How do you know? Sersha? Well, I'm American. <laughs> I'm going to say it. The lady. Sarah. I'll call her Sarah. No, it's terrible. Thanks for the help of this embodied voice. <laughs> you may have not picked up on the mic. It's our live studio audience. Yeah. It's our peanut gallery. Chimes in. We have those every so often. Tom's not here to like say something horribly wrong on the show. I was trying to think about that. In <laughs> preparation for this, I was like, oh boy, another guest. What, what kind of sh- shenanigans we'll get up to? And I was like, what was the thing he came over and tried to talk about? And he realized it was far too French late that dispatch. he was... Okay. He thought it was... That a- was... Okay, right. Because we were talking about Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. and But he hadn't seen the French <laughs> Dispatch at all. He, he had, had seen, seen a show from like 2017 from Netflix. And I remember he was like, oh, I know. And I go, oh, you say something. And then he said, I liked season one. I said, get the fuck off the mic. <laughs> you do not know what you're talking about. You've already ruined it. He's like, what, what? And then he like walked down the stairs very loudly. Great. It was a great time. We all had fun. Tom listened, so he'll 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 hear us talk about this. Shout out to you, Tom. Have fun in uh, wherever you are. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this, man. I hope they continue to make these. Again, I don't know why this... Like The thing is, I, maybe this is what I was trying to get at before. I, I think this was actually what I was trying to get at before. Excellent. It's weird to me that it's so 
these are so controversial because again they are smaller kind of movies i feel like most people don't know or care about them one way or the other not at all like these are not big huge blockbusters everyone that's the marvels know, yeah bust bust on the door to see these so it's just weird to me it's just it's just the way the internet is you know that I go on Twitter and I see people who are like the most passionate about these. They're like, I hate Kenneth Branagh. I would kill him with my bare hands if I could. Oh, <laughs> we done this to Paro. And I'm Agatha just like, Christie would be weeping. If literally stuff like that. Like, I love these books so much, and he's ruined everything about him. And he doesn't, he doesn't get Poirot as a character, and he doesn't get the point of these books and everything. And, and they're just so passionate about it. And I'm like, it's just so funny because no, funny no one cares. Man. No one else cares. Not even a little bit. No one I've ever met has seen these movies, other than me and my grandma, who I go to them with. Yeah, and you know? me only recently. Yeah, you've not, you've still yet to see the first one, and I maybe never will. You know the end of the first one, though. Yeah, I've been told. I think that's the closest one to the to book book, maybe. Though I don't know, I've never read them. I never will again. <laughs> I guess I don't know what's a Poirot thing other than from these movies. Yeah. So, says and fun- maybe that's a way to be, though, right? Yeah, ignorance is uh, bliss. bliss and all that. Because maybe if I did read them, I'd be like, oh, no. I will kill Kenneth Branagh. These movies are horrible. I do want to strangle Kenneth Branagh. He's ruined it. He's ruined it. Go to that fan event and kill him. Uh, I liked the the one one line I really liked was the bear line. He's like, oh, you poked the bear and I put him to tango? He's like, that's not a saying. In any language. I think he's... I don't know. Because I feel like sometimes they... I've seen people say he's not funny enough. People say he's too funny. But then they say he's like too goofy. And I'm like, what are we... He's a goofy little Frenchman. I thought he was always a goofy little Frenchman. Come the fuck Until on, his right? friend dies in Death in the Nile. And then he becomes sad. And then he goes all... He's got to go like sicko mode, right? Yeah, he goes... He's like, you've made me use 1% of my power. <laughs> you've killed my friend. Yeah. But, but yeah, before that, he's he was just saying, oh, a Pato, do your, He shaved his mustache. He's a big right, scar. Right, yeah. Mustache is back, though. That's good. The mustache is back. It's good stuff. I really, you know, I did, I did miss the the war flashbacks in this one. <laughs> yeah, there weren't enough of those. That war flashback was crazy. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's a Wild. great scene. But yeah, I don't know, man. Again, it's just so funny to me that like Kenneth Brown has a weird little like passion projects. I did, I did make the joke, or I at the least uh, regurgitated the joke when we talked about the trailer, mm-hmm. where people are like, "It's funny that this is seemingly Kenneth Brown's <laughs> one for one him. for him." <laughs> He does Oppenheimer. He goes and like, oh, I guess I gotta do Oppenheimer. And then he's like, whoa, baby, we're back to Poirot. That mustache on me, baby. He's like, fuck. I guess I'll, I guess I'll make award-winning, <laughs> like personal, deeply personal historical epic about, about Ireland, about Ireland and the troubles. I guess if I have, if I must, if you must give me the Oscar. And then he's like, baby, I get to make death on the Tina Fey. Let's go. I'll take Gal Gadot. You want to be on a boat? I think I think we'll get a cannibal <laughs> involved, and then he's like, "All right, fine, Chris Nolan, I'll be Neil Bohr's in your stupid little Oppenheimer film." And then little he's like, student baby, we're Michelle doing yo, Venice. Let's fucking go. Michelle Yeoh, let's let's pretend to see ghosts. I mean, this is so gonna be it. sweet. I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna the hell out of this. It's just so fun to me. Again, the fact that he's directing them too and producing, like he, I, you, you can't get enough. It's just so obviously a thing he likes you know, to do. Uh, a product of passion. What's the word? Passion project? No, that's but yeah, but a labor of love. Labor of a loving labor. Mm-hmm. And you know, good on him for them. Like God I said, I'd watch it. a million of these. I just don't care. I also feel like we don't get enough of these anymore. Like genreize, right? If you want to be like, oh, these aren't very, these aren't like great whodunits or whatever, because of this that or the other reason, right? Because like, there's no way to figure it out. Which, listen, I enjoyed. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but I remember thinking that was kind of like a weird one of like, how could you ever guess this, right? Yeah. You know, because the point of these types of stories is usually that there is 
You can guess it. Right, you can guess it. And there's multiple characters with motive. Mm. But it's, you know, ends up being one of them. <laughs> one of them you don't expect, usually. Which is the twist, uh, I'll just say, the twist of Murder on the Orient Express is that they all did it. And I was like, oh, I feel like you, I feel like this, I feel like you've gotten me here, you know? Yeah. And like, a, like I, I feel like I've been had. You've made <laughs> me out to be some kind of fool. Hold on. What do you want? What are you talking about, Peanut Gallery? You're shaking your head no. No, I, I would, I would like to. No, come on. Well, come on, Mike. Have you, have you seen Murder on the Orient Express? Do you uh, disagree with that? It was, it was obviously the whole said. time that they all did it. How's well, right? Because they all had motive. But why? I mean, listen, I haven't seen it in a minute. I don't remember the fine details. You remember the fine details? I just, but like that's as a twist for a murder mystery thing. Because again, the whole point is usually that all the characters have, to some extent, a, a motive, a vaguely reasonable motive, and you have to be like, man, but who really did it? But who when it's just like, motive? yeah, they all had motive because they all did it, and they did all just do it, and the baby did it too. Well, no, the baby couldn't do it. That was the thing. Well, yeah. then they couldn't have all done it. And oh, the baby wasn't there. Oh, that was the thing about the baby. They did a, they did a freaking, what's it called? Lindbergh baby. Lindbergh? Yeah, Lindbergh. Oh, when they you sealed the baby? They sealed the baby. They the... sealed the baby. Well, it was like a, that was like, it was like a analogy for that. I didn't know about them selling the baby. But it's I... very topical. Just like, um, no, that's the only one I got. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this a real thing? I don't think so. Is that a common occurrence? Yeah, you know, sealing the babies. But the dingo that but... ate the baby. All I was saying, though, even if you think all that and you have all these reasons about like why these are poor, poor mystery movies, I feel like we don't get enough murder mystery whodunits anyways. So like, what's the only, your alternative? Most recent one is Knives Out, right? That, that's what I. That's that's ultimately Jack. What I wanted to say about this movie is that Kenneth Branagh and Ryan Johnson—they're the only ones out here doing it, and they're doing it for us. And they're all doing right? a great job. So like, I think they're doing a, a damn good job. So like, what are we complaining about? I love complaining. It's the internet. Because it's like, again, if Kenneth Branagh won't do it, then who will? Hmm? Who will shoulder this Se- burden? Seemingly no one. Again, no one makes m- mid-budget movies anymore to begin with. If Kenneth Branagh's got the, the weight to throw around with the, the big wigs. cojones. Because they know, they know Kenneth Branagh. He's a known quantity, right? Yeah. He's like, I'll star in it and I'll write it. And I'll, well, he doesn't write it, but I'll direct yeah. it, goddammit. Because I'm Kenneth Branagh and the studio big wigs, because they're all big dumb idiots. They're like, well, I've heard of Kenneth Branagh. I guess we'll let him do it. Look at the cool mustache he's got. And he's like, and you know what? I'm only going to spend $60 million on it because that's all I have to. And they're like, you sure you don't want to, uh, th- $300 million? We'll put a CGI Harrison Ford in there for fun. <laughs> I feel like he's, I just feel like it's a it's a good thing to have. All right. We need to bring back the, this is the thing people have been talking about, especially this year in particular with the, a notable string of massive financial failures. Pretty much across the board. Almost every movie that came out this year. Lost money. Except for Oppenheimer, Mario, yes. and Barbie. Oppenheimer and Barbie did and stellar. Mario. Yes, and, and Mario. The, sure. What is it? I saw some article that the for the first time in however many years, the top three highest grossing movies of the year so far aren't like sequels. Fine. I feel like that barely counts for Mario, but fine. What's the other Mario movie? The one from the literal other one they did. Yeah, but that's live action. It's different than animation. They're different genres then. Did I send you the thing that was like... Uh, Mission Impossible is also going to lose $100 million or whatever. Is it? Good. Did I not send you one? It's funny that they don't make the second one. And they will. They'll make this <laughs> well, it will. two and a half hour part two for a movie that was very boring. This is it. Indiana Jones 5 and Mission Impossible 7 will both reportedly lose about $100 million. Jesus. So, you know, maybe a way to get around some of that is... Spend less money. If you make a movie for $60 million... And it makes more money. Listen, even if it didn't make a, a single red cent, you're not losing $100 million on it. You know why? Because you didn't spend $100 million on it to begin with. We spent 60 Uh Cool 60 Wasn't this 
crazy that $60 million is like chump change. That's what I'm saying. I feel like 20 years ago that even, that was probably like, woo. We're like bragging on the big bucks for this one. <laughs> but now it's just nothing. Could you, could you imagine going to 1985 and being like, sir, I'm going to spend $300 million. You'd be like, that's insane. Well, again, that's that's like a recently broken record thing. Yeah. yeah. $300 million didn't used to happen. At, like, I don't think, I think the first time it ever happened was, I think it was actually Pirates of the Caribbean 4, <laughs> believe it or what not. What a great way. Yeah, that's like a uh, like a strangely expensive movie. I don't know what exactly the reason was, but that held the record for a good long while for like the real pirates they got. Had higher yeah, pirates. Yeah, pirates. Get real gold. But for a while there, it literally held the record for like the most ex- like for longer than you would expect, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it, it was clear that the rest of the pirate field hadn't yeah. caught up with mm-hmm. like inflation wise. This was literally just a bizarrely expensive movie that they made back in two thousand like eleven for some reason. What a better tournament. There and now th- with inflation and whatnot and the way it is, everything's a $300 million movie. Got like D.H. Harrison Ford and punch a Nazi. <laughs> it's like that meme. You know the meme? Which the Someone good, who's good with the economy help me budget. Oh, yeah. It's like, my, please candles. help my kids are starving. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the joke is that they're spending like $1,000 a month on candles. That's that's these like studio people with movies. Like, someone who's good at the economy help me budget my movie. And it's like, you know, a decent amount on like makeup. Uh, crew, know, crew, location, set, location, stunt work, you know, practical. Two hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars CGI de aging. Harrison Ford. What? How do we do this? How do we do this? Where is it all going? <laughs> Help me. Take the de aging. I refuse. <laughs> I cannot take that out. Non negotiable. <laughs> the candles are non negotiable. Let's see real quick. I'm just gonna see. This was probably insanely expensive. But what was the what was Titanic's budget? A hundred billion dollars. Oh, it was the most expensive movie ever made at its time in '97 with a budget of 200 million. Damn, Trump change was it the budget of the Flash? <laughs> That's nothing now. Can you believe the it? The budget of the Flash is like twice that. Let's see, Flash budget. Yeah, 300 million. That's it's not, not counting the. Let's okay. I'm just gonna Google movies for too expensive with 60 million dollar budget just to see if we get an idea. Silver Linings Playbook was between 20 to 50. There you go. The Blind Side. True Grit? True Grit. That's a good movie. I've seen True Grit. Yeah. The original or the Jeff Bridges remake? The latter. The good one. The John Wayne one isn't good? John Wayne's John Wayne's a hack. John Wayne apparently changed his name from Marion. Yeah, of course he did. He's a hack. And he wanted to beat up that um, Native American woman who won an Oscar because he's the worst guy ever. Yes. He's a hack and a bad man. And a racist. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, all those things. He would have hated Flowers. The only good movie he ever made was The Searchers. He would have loved to play Rob Junior's role in Flowers with a Killer Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon? Killers of the Flower Moon. Thank you. Good for that movie. It's coming out soon. It's coming up on us. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's in October. Apparently, the reason, perhaps the reason Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tide cost so much is because of Johnny Depp's salary. Do you want to guess what that is? The rumored salary? How much is the movie? I don't uh, bring it up. Because I don't want to overshoot that. According number. to this, it still has the third best, or the third highest budget after. Way of Water and Endgame at three hundred and seventy nine million dollars. And this budget, I gotta say, it's over. It could be close to a hundred million then. No, not that. That would be insane. Then probably fifty million. It's not fifty five million. Okay. He, he almost had the entire budget of <laughs> this movie, The Haunting in Venice. Oh, we gotta pay Johnny Depp. All right, this way Johnny Depp cannot be in one of these movies. Dune was. 165. Dune? What about Dune 2? More Dune. I don't know. John Carter back in 2012 was 250. Yeah, I don't know. Range. I feel like this must be in the lower range. Oh, these are Disney properties. It's true. What was Everything Everywhere? All at once? 
a great movie. It was. Why doesn't like that movie? We can do it after the podcast that's for that. That's crazy. That had a bunch of 25 mil, so they're really... Man, only 25 mil for that? Ooh. Makes you wonder what the rest of these guys are doing, huh? Ooh. I don't know what any of that was. I was just trying to... <laughs> these numbers make sense, all right? All I'm saying is I don't think it was that much money, and we need more money's like more movies like this, frankly. Zach, don't worry. Again, we're doing a lot of like classic attack things. We do a lot of bullshit at the beginning. I make a joke, you yell at me, and then at the end, we go on a big rant about something with money in movies, and we go on far too long, we kind of lose where we were, and we go, well, or, or that's nothing, and then we move on to the end. What do you think that was? 40, wow. Wow, damn. Good on you, Ryan. For less than a hunting in Venice, you get a Knives Out? That's a good deal if I say so. I think so. That house is full of knickknacks. How much could those knickknacks cost? $2,000, maybe? I think, the, I think the knickknacks came with it. I think that's how they saved it. That's how they say it. They're like, need a house full of knickknacks. <laughs> house full of knickknacks, okay. please. Non knickknacks, non negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot remove these. We need these knickknacks. <laughs> need desire house for filming location. Well loved house full of knickknacks. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer knickknacks. On second thought, knickknacks, non negotiable. <laughs> you gotta have them. No knickknacks. No, <laughs> no bargain. Glass Onion also 40 mil. You know what was crazy about that? Even bigger house. Don't you remember when he got that deal? They gave him like $400 million to make those two movies. Did they really? That means Ryan's pocketing like most of it. Maybe he's cutting corners. He's going to cut so many corners for the third one. He's going to make it on a shoestring budget. He's going to be in his house. <laughs> Ryan's he's going to buy him all pizza for the catering. Netflix deal. Yeah, it was $450 million that they paid him. So that means Buddy got... He, he spent, made two... For, he's going to make two $40 million movies and pocket pocket almost 400 for himself. Buddy's riding all over to the bank. Golly. To be Ryan Johnson. And then only to do that and then not put those movies out in theaters. Crazy. Crazy. Netflix ran. They're losing money, you say. How could, How could that be? <laughs> <laughs> they made The Gray Man, the oh, most profitable man. film to ever exist. Our favorite movie ever? Uh-oh. Ain't not even close. Yeah, this says he, he earned $100 million of that, at least. That's crazy. That bless him. But again, I, don't, I still don't know what any of this was. This is, I, I, I'm just try, I was just trying to get a sense of this. I would like an article which breaks it down for me. This is where the high, high budget starts. <laughs> this is where high starts. Anything lower is fine. But anyways, I think that about gets the point across. There's a good movie and there's too many haters. There's too many Kenneth Branagh haters. I'm saying. Listen, they're they're Pranagh's downfall. A, they really are. Here's the thing. If Kenneth Branagh's got a, a thousand fans on one of them. <laughs> he's got a hundred fans on one of them. He's got ten fans. I don't know. He's got one fan on one of them. If he's, got, if he's got no friends, Jack, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm in the ground. Because I'm a ride or die for Kenneth Branagh. Unless he, unless it comes out at some point he did something uh, like bad or something. And probably will. In which case, I don't endorse that. But... Listen, you made Thor for Thor. Didn't make Thor. He's in Hamlet. Was he Hamlet? Yeah. God bless him. Right? Yeah. He and I think he directed that one too. Sure. I think he directed and starred as Henry V. Talking about Saint Christmas days. Probably. He's a big Shakespeare guy. Yeah, he's an old. He's an old Irish UK man. They love him. Yeah. Was he Mac? Was he Macbeth the King? Yeah. Was he Macbeth and Macbeth? Probably. (laughs) Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah, you get it. I got it. I'm. Yeah, I've seen that one clip from the one with uh, Dad. and he was Neil Bohr's. He was Neil Bohr's. So but that one he didn't it. like very much. What else do you want? I mean, huh? What else do you need from him? Not much. More Poirot. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Always more. I, yeah, I just can't stress this enough. 
There's nothing wrong with these movies. There's nothing wrong with them. He's never done anything wrong. I don't know why, again, I don't know what about them. being so mean. Do people think that this is like taking opportunity? That like if it weren't for Kenneth Branagh, there would be someone else making better Poirot movies? Because again, I can't help but think it's just the opposite. I think no one would make Poirot. If it wasn't for Branagh, there'd be none. So who cares? Listen, if you don't like him, don't watch him. But don't be like, what are you upset about? What are they? Why is everyone on the internet so upset, Jack? Have we ever gotten to the bottom of this? It's because they want you to be upset. Who does? They. Okay. The enemy. Yeah, the enemy. The true foe. We got anything else to say? I think I'm about out of steam. Okay, perfect. So we'll like we'll wrap it up right about here. As always, you can find us reviews in your podcast every single week. If you want to contact us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Akatech Jazz or X, I should say. I always mess that up. That's Akatech J A Z on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at Gmail dot com. On Instagram at the Akatech Podcast, all lowercase. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Joey B. Uh, you can find his um, new album, Something Something, coming out soon, or already out, I believe. Uh, you can, And he has tons of music on Spotify and SoundCloud. He ha- He's having an album release that he did with his other group, whose name I don't remember. Sorry, Joey. Um, but it's coming out, so uh, check it out. Maybe, maybe we'll get some <laughs> we'll, we'll concrete figure, details. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Just do, <laughs> do some perusing. Look at his following. It'll probably be posted on, his, on the account I just named. Uh, our logo is in my friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at InkOcean at JPG Instagram or in Redbubble. And as always, he wrote this. We produced it. We built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night and Godspeed.